1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to That's Not Metal, the rock podcast that is backer than ever. On a day when David Hasselhoff releases a metal song, we return to you. Um, thank you for the the warm welcome back for the, the return show last week. I mean, it was awesome to, to have the guys back on there doing that. And, and thank you to everyone who, you know, reached out and kind of... Um, you know, gave us the support that we that we would like. So, yeah, thank you very much. Um, apologies, first of all, if you are someone who listens to your podcast on Apple. Um, we are currently having an issue with kind of where we upload the podcast, where it is basically it's spreading it across all the different platforms where you want to listen to it, like Spotify and um, iHeart and all these other places. But for some reason, the way we're doing it, Apple isn't quite being on board with it. And I'm trying to fix that at the moment, but it is... To put it bluntly, a dickhead of a process. So, if you are someone who likes to listen to the podcast on Apple, um, I apologise for the last few shows. However, um, long this may end up being the case, um, not turning up there. But I'm trying to get it sorted of as quick as I can, and I hope that you can um, find and listen to the show in a kind of a way that you would want on on one of the other kind of areas where it is available. Um, so, yeah, we are now back with what is a pretty important show. For, for That's Not Metal Now, because I am joined by the two people who, from here on out, are going to be carrying this podcast and this show forward with me. Um, so I will introduce those guys to you now. I mean, first of all is that, uh, obviously, the best way to kind of do this introduction is to just, of course, listen to them talk about music. Um, and we've got more shows kind of coming up geared towards this specific purpose. So it's not going to be too long. But um, first of all, I have Sam Dignon here with me. Hey, what up?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yes, I'm pretty stoked to be here.
1: Yeah, Sam has been a friend of mine for a long time. The culprit taking me to face down after the Animal track <laughs> Show, uh, if you remember that <laughs> so, story. That was um, a good night. It's 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 their fault. Um, and also, when Ryan DeFreitas originally left the show, however many months ago, um, he told me in private that if he was going to recommend someone to kind of come on and fill his space on the show for the kind of music that he. Brought to TNM, Sam would have been the person he put forward. So, of course, Sam was the first person that I asked. Um,
2: When you said last week about someone
1: being there to rep Spanish love songs, I was like, Yes, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Equally esteemed is um, Alec Chillingworth. Hello. If you have been a a regular reader of, of Metal Hammer over the past, I don't know how many years you've been doing that, but you may have read the words of Alec on ramstein or devon townsend or cradle of Hilf, any number of weirdo bands whatever um so i'm really stoked to have these two here kind of by my side doing this now um something i think that will become apparent over the course of um or the coming months of of how we will kind of uncover these things, is the way we kind of split our tastes, it's maybe not the most easily contained niches of, you know, this person likes this music, this person likes the heavy stuff, this person likes the soft stuff, whatever. It's There will be more nuanced ways in which we will, places we will align and places we will diverge. And like I said, I'm I'm looking forward to kind of uncovering all of that. Um, And I think, obviously, the best way to start doing that is the show we are here for today, we are doing the top 20 albums of the year from Sam and Alec. Um, So to get straight into it again, um, Alec, how's how's 2020 been for you? As mad a question that might sound.
3: Um, Yeah, it's been, uh, I mean, for music, it's been brilliant, hasn't it? Um, I I think this is the best year since I've started kind of collating lists either as, you know, a, a child reading metal hammer going i want to be dom lawson um <laughs> to uh, to kind of actually doing it um properly um yeah it's just like it's been really tough uh, actually narrowing it down um i'm going to be saying this is the best oh this is my favorite quite a lot i think during this uh, list which i think is testament to how fucking great the year's been um and i also think as well it's been a lot more personal this year, because like, I know every like, if you if you love music like we do or like the audience does, um, choosing twenty albums to sum up the year is really, really difficult. But for a year when
1: another uh, decade of a process, yes, but we do it. Yes, every
3: year. <laughs> yeah. But like for, for a year that's just been so abysmally shit, um, I, I've just found myself kind of clinging to music even more so, and it, it's I, that's really informed my list. I think
1: yeah i'm sam what's your take on i guess 2020 in music
2: what alec just said is that because of just how shit everything else has been music's been that savior that like that thing you go yeah fuck it this album's out this week and it's and it's just something to look forward to it's a structure
1: in my part isn't it if yeah everyone is at home friday, you kind of have to have that thing to revolve your week around <laughs> it was
2: like it was like everyone was like all right friday what albums are out wicked make a list um i mean it's weird because like the year started off really good with like gigs for me. I got to a bunch of gigs in February, and it was great. And then everything just went, bomb. just yeah. shut
1: off.
2: <laughs> All these gigs and festivals had over the summer, gone, not happening. So I think, yeah, it's just been about the albums, really, and other things that have gone on. But for music as a whole, it has. I think the industry has done the best it can to roll on with the shit that's been thrown at it.
1: Yeah. Okay, so... Before we get into your lists, something else that's important that's coming in this show, I should have probably mentioned at the beginning, is this week we do also have the results of the That's Not Metal listener uh, albums of the year, which, first thing I have to say is, once again, you guys come through every fucking year, thank you to the people who put themselves forward to to volunteering, kind of collating that, um, especially to to Ryan Moore, who is uh, a absolute whiz when it comes to taking all of these numbers and results and everything and, and putting them all together into something that makes some kind of sense but also to, you know, the, the merry gang of vote counters that I recruited to help kind of put it all in one place and make the process easier. You guys all did an amazing job, so thank you. We had something like um, I've got it here, 531 different albums received votes across however many top 20s that were submitted by you guys, which is Always the kind of eclectic mix that we want. Um, just like last year, we've actually got a top 30 from from you guys rather than a top 20. And before we dive into the list that we have here, first we're going to do the 30 through 21 of the listener albums of the year. So let's kick that off. Number 30 is End, Splinters from an Ever-Changing Face. 29, Foxjaw, Royal Swan. Um, something that I wasn't necessarily too keen on, and I don't think we, we've had it mentioned in many of our list that we've done here but it, I know lots of people are super into it so it's cool to see it in there um, cool album s- yeah similarly after that is 28 Gold Key Panic Machine 27 Drain California Cursed 26 Clipping Visions of Bodies Being Burned um, 25 Aranti Pazuzu Mester and Kinsey nice 24 Lamb of God self-titled record 23, um, the collaboration from Emma, Ruth, Rundle, and Thou, May Our Chambers Be Full. 22, Napalm Death, thro- uh, Throws of Joy in the Jewels of Defeatism. And number 21, Imperial Triumphant, Alphaville. Um, so we will be back with the following kind of segments of this list in between what we've got here. But f- first off, let's dive into uh, the list from the two people I have in front of me. Um, Alec, you can go first. What was the stuff that just missed out before giving me a top 20?
3: Uh, so the the stuff that missed out, uh quite a lot. Um The Dogs had a really good album, uh Nibiru, Igor or Igor, um, <laughs> Maggot Heart, AC D C Baron Womb, Greg Pasciato, Springsteen, Marilyn Manson, Paradise Lost, Sharptooth, Svalbard, um, and twenty one Joris, uh the hell. <laughs> I was I was I was I was so it was so close. My, I, yeah, getting I, into I, my list,
1: I mentioned this on the Facebook last week, but uh, I did notice after we recorded that that Ryan actually had Joris higher than Touche Amore <laughs> yeah. in his list, which <laughs> I think is wonderful. Um, what is your number twenty then, Alec?
3: So my number twenty. Um, I know how this podcast and the audience feels about LAUGHTER <laughs> Um <laughs> fucking hell. We are off to a, a good start, start. <laughs> entering this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to be clear with you, Alec, I'm partially on your side. Maybe not with this album, but well, in general I I I get it. But yes, I I love that this is the very first thing we have. Aylstorm, w- go on.
3: It was a ruse parent. It's not Aylstorm, but this album makes me feel how Aylstorm used to make me feel. It is fintroll with vridas oh
1: okay this is actually wicked yes fair enough yeah
3: so (laughs) good bait and switch (laughs) so you remember when ale they used to be fun rather than trying to be funny right
1: they used to write good power metal songs that had a silly gimmick on them rather than having the silly gimmick over everything else yeah. Sam is vigorously shaking his head in case <laughs> you you out there in the audience still need someone to hang your like ailstorm bile onto. Sam is here, but I I am with, with, with yeah, I'm with what you're saying, Alec.
3: Yeah. Um so this really reminds me of that or like the kind of playful kind of folk metal that Ensferum used to do kind of like around 2009 when From afar came yeah. out. It's like this is runescape metal pretty much, isn't it? It's not like it's dancing goblin metal. Yeah, sure. yeah. It's it's just epic dragon fighting music um and it's been i just forgot that fin troll existed because it's been about seven years since their last album and i didn't think that the last one was all that up to it to be honest but um i just think that the the mixture of the folk stuff on this with the kind of breezy kind of campy cradle of fish black metal flourishes it really works i think this is it, it, it just really, really fits. Like the, the polka bit in Ormfolk is just, it's so, so fun. Um, it, just, it just makes me want to dance. Um, I, I just think it's a real return to form for, for Fin troll. And again, that, that kind of dragon fighting, that epic kind of climbing a mountain and, and just lifting my sword up. Uh, kind of feeling it gives me, especially there is that song Miran, and there is a bit where it just goes dun dun du 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 like you've just finished <laughs> you, you've just finished a quest or something. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love it. Like I don't think I could have put it any higher because I know it's fucking stupid. Um, and again, it was it was fighting with Joris for the number twenty spot, um, but I, I I really I really love this one.
1: Yeah, I am going to chime in here because. Uh, this is the one opportunity I've had to talk about this album on, on this year and I'm I'm with you this album is fucking amazing yeah and, like it was it would probably make my top 30 if I did like that for my albums of the year like uh, and the thing with Thin Troll is they, it is completely ridiculous and knowingly so like they are under under no illusions that they are a serious black metal band or anything like that um, yeah just look at what they wear but there is that <laughs> slight necro edge to like the vocal delivery and the guitar tone and stuff like that that makes it kind of quite neatly aligned between those things where it's not as like pure jig as Corplacani. It's like that while throwing the claw, which makes it absolutely wonderful. And yeah, it it was seven years while they were gone. And I've kind of felt that folk metal, it's a genre that I have a big soft spot for, but in the kind of latter part of the 2010s, as a genre as a whole, it's not been in kind of the largest state of health because you're kind of relying on a lot of those established names to deliver the goods rather than being this constant kind of upswell of like new really exciting young bands and when bands like Enterferum or Koblikani or whoever aren't delivering their best material maybe it kind of felt like that sound in general went away for a while and Fintroll's yeah. absence definitely felt like part of that and them coming back with something that is so like out of the top draw for them was uh, a genuine highlight of 2020 I feel so yeah FinTrol, number 20 from Alec um, fully fully backed their Sam bring us back down to planet Earth please <laughs>
2: <laughs> course, yeah sure Uh, A couple of honourable mentions. Um, Bruce Springsteen, I very nearly put that in after Ryan did last week, but I was like, we'll save Perrin having to go for that again. Uh, Enshikari nearly made it in. Cavell Attack, Milk Teeth, Bleed From Within, Napalm Death. um, The Lerenis, Salwayam round was another one. I was like, oh, I could do that. Um, I think Palm Read, if I'd had more than a couple of weeks of it, could have made it in yeah, i was wondering
1: whether it would because there has been a i i haven't had enough love. time yeah there's there's a lot in that album right, to right at the fucking depth didn't it like- yeah
2: and i was i was hoping i would get it and it, i think it's brilliant but there's there's more to that album that i haven't got yet so i i would have felt a bit disingenuous putting it in and the other one that would have just missed out and uh is the ghost inside which i thought was a really fucking good album but i just I didn't want to wade straight into that discourse surrounding it right now. <laughs> like I, I was like, I don't don't need to do that on my first episode. But, um, yeah. Just but, stick um, to
3: Trolls, mate. It doesn't happen with Trolls.
2: Uh, well, like, um, So, my number 20 is... I'm actually picking up where Perrin left off last week. And my number 20 is Darkenment by A Now and a Frack.
1: Wicked. Very ooh. nice.
2: Which is, I suppose it is by far the heaviest album on my list. Um, I got into A Now and a Frack on the previous album after have to Perrin bang on about them a lot. I was like, I'll actually give them a go. And Forward is a fucking banger that was like, okay, cool. And then the new album came out and that title track, um, straight away, the chorus is massive and it's just... There's just something about it now, in fact where they brilliantly balance like really like extreme metal with just these massive power metal choruses that, and it doesn't sound mm. silly.
1: Yeah, well, I it mean, just... there's the one song on there that is like, if you are someone who has... Um, maybe complained about Bruce Dickinson's kind of state of his voice on recent Iron Maiden kind of material or whatever. Like, uh, I think it's create art, uh, create art, or the world may perish. Um, the chorus on there is like the best Iron Maiden chorus in about fifteen years.
2: Yeah. It's that and, like the age of Starlight like, ends where he does that massive like big note on the end of the chorus. Like, yeah, it's like it's full on overblown like power metal stuff. But then they just, but then you'll get stuff like uh, Libidus, which just has the metalcore riff of the year, which is just like. So, just like punch your mates, kind of thing, and then a track like Beyond Words, which is terrifying because it just sounds like some like Lovecraftian nightmare almost. Like this track, it's really just a cool album that has convinced me I need to go and dig deeper into An Anna Frack now going forward.
1: Yes, you do, and I'm sure that I will find some kind of of excuse to (laughs) make that happen. But I'm
2: down for it because I think this album is the one I'm like, yeah, Anna Frack are wicked.
1: Yeah it's been great to see the um the general people finally kind of realizing that after 20 years of them being the best extreme band around um yeah right awesome um alec number 19
3: uh so my number 19 is uh by a band called next life and the album is called guru meditation um so they're an industrial um instrumental two-piece and they just kind of make eight-bit grindcore Uh, (laughs) um it kind of just sounds like super smash brothers meets the berserker um okay <laughs> it's just there's there's no regard for meter it's it's got that same kind of choppy riffing as, as dillinger you know da, 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 stuff that you hear quite a lot in dillinger's stuff um and they've been going for like two decades uh this is their fourth album um and i've never really got on with them before because i've liked the idea but the albums always feel a bit like a jumble, like they have an album called "The Lost Age," which I think if you if you sequence it right, uh, it's really good. But the way they've actually laid it out, it just it's really quite jarring. Um, but this this really it really works. It's yeah, it's twenty eight minutes. It's really clever in that it kind of batters you over the head relentlessly for the first kind of like six songs, just with these yeah, just crazy video game noises and bizarre time signatures and just brutal blasts of metal and it takes you a moment to realize that the um, the second half of the record is actually it's actually pretty chilled out like it just starts sounding like actual Nintendo music like the uh, the kind of last six songs or something the guitar just and the, and the percussion just slowly starts petering out and you' are just left with these little electronic ditties and um, yeah in terms of songs it's just like it all kind of bleeds into one it's just like this 28 minute kind of mad journey um but i can't i can't really think of anything like this i've heard really i guess i guess maybe the the algorithm but that's a very different kind of thing uh but i think if if you like the algorithm i think this this might be something that you could get on board with uh and it's only 28 minutes so if you think it's shit um doesn't really matter does it um Alright, yeah. what's the name of that band? Next Life, and the right. album is, is called Guru Meditation.
1: Next Life, if you want your grindcore with more Pokemon. Um, Sam, <laughs> number 19.
2: Uh, my number 19 is uh, 2020 Vision by Anti-Flag. This is just okay. sort of my shit, like this kind of punk rock. I think we got helped, actually, by this being one of the few bands I saw on this album cycle, so I've seen these songs live already, but if you like just like big, catchy punk rock that's got like a real politically charged mesh to it that's not subtle at all like this is pretty much straight up like as left-wing like as as you get like one of the songs is called christian nationalist and it it, but it's just anti-flag have i think particularly on their last couple of albums just been really good at this sort of thing and the thing with them as well is that i've always found they're way more believable like they're not just saying this shit because it's a catchy slogan they're Mm. they're the sort of band they're they're going to protest they're on the streets yeah and I mean, I interviewed uh, the band earlier this year and got that exact thing. That they know what they're talking about when it comes to this sort of politics. It's not, it's not just a, a marketing thing for them. This is, they are, this is their life. They, and they've been living it for like 20 plus years doing this and they still care and they still want to shout about these things. And I just want like, to say, this is just, this sort of punk is just my thing and it's just done to a really good quality on this album. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it with like anti-flag. Um, catchy songs big choruses
1: yeah i've i've never really got it with anti-flag but i I, in terms of I think that's fair yeah but that's on a solely kind of musical level like i I kind of i get the the rallying punk songs around a particular cause that you know that these people believe in so and i you know i I did see uh from the kind of handful of people i see i know who are into anti-flag like every time they release anything they always come out kind of Praising the fact that they're still there doing that to kind of the standard that they want. Um, so yeah, anti yeah. flag number nineteen. Alec, give me your eighteen.
3: Uh, so my eighteen is Leek with Misanthropic Breed.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, this is yeah. A good record.
3: Um, I mean, I, I don't ever really have to explain it that much. I mean, it's it's got zombies on the cover. There's a song called Flesh Frenzy. What do you think it sounds like? Um, if you, you know, like it's... Entombed, here <laughs> you go. Yeah, it's it's just stockholm death metal filth it's it's bloodbath dismember entombed it's that chainsaw guitar tone those guttural vocals songs about just dying and being eviscerated and how how you love dying and being eviscerated <laughs> um and they're just uh I yeah they're, they're relatively new ish um yeah this is their third album they've been doing this in the in the 2010s I say newish like the their members have played with like Grave and Bloodbath and, and Repugnant and stuff. So they've got that kind of, that, pedi- that death metal pedigree already. Um, and what I've really liked about this um, record is obviously it's got that, the Stockholm death metal thing, but um, they're just not afraid to kind of, kind of get their Gothenburg death metal on as well. Occasionally, like there's a twin lead bit in Decay. And it's just—it's so catchy, so Iron Maideny or like peak, like you know when In Flames were doing that. It's—it's um, mm-hmm. it's just so striking, especially in that in that context where it's just the the Stockholm death metal kind of <laughs> kind of thing, um, and just the the vocal hooks. So again, they're they're yeah they're, they're ridiculous. You know, him's going, "I forgive myself as I'm about to die," <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's a bit on I think it's Wolves where he goes. I think the, the line is into the night, but he goes like, into the night! Um, like it's, it's completely ludicrous, as you would expect from a band like this, but um, they've just written actual songs, because uh, I find a lot, a lot of bands who, who do this kind of thing nowadays kind of forget to do that. They just kind of be heavy and brutal and kind of as guttural as they can go. Um, so this is quite refreshing
1: yeah uh definitely one of the leading kind of bands doing the Swedish death metal sound at the moment because there's been so many of them and it kind of takes a lot to kind of rise to the top uh yeah. if you need any more selling on lick which is spelled l i k uh the i in that logo is a skeleton so um, <laughs> he, yeah, he looks is.
3: he looks like he's diving into a pool <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay um that was number eighteen right so Sam give me yours uh
2: yeah speaking of heavy and brutal uh end splinters from an ever-changing there we go again um yeah i mean well this one i I kind of got into this band because i I love counterparts and so brendan doing something heavier was going to be like yeah cool and the ep they put out uh, a couple of years ago was like yeah i want to hear more of this and then with a full album they've just like done that but better i think it's it is really that kind of guttural brutal heavy slightly entombed influence. Hardcore with a bit of death metal in it, but um, I think it's that that side of Counterparts where the melody, where he he knows a, a vocal hook even when he's screaming it. I think he brings that in and he like those sort of mosh parts, and it just I just think this is arguably the best he has sounded as a vocalist. I think and a heavy. I think he works. I know I like. I know you don't <laughs> like Counterparts, do you? <laughs> but this is one of the things what made me love this album is people who've been like, oh Counterparts, they're just like weedy metalcore. Blah. And then he's come along and done some one of the like the heavier, the better. Yeah, th- this was th- a year. big
1: step up for this band, I think, because I thought that that EP was all right, uh, and then this kind of shut me up. So yeah, I yeah. get it.
2: And I think I think he, I think Brendan as a vocalist, I think his personality is a it, you can still get his personality all over this record, and I think that's one of the things that makes it more than other like other bands doing this sort of thing. I think his personality on it was one of the things that really made me like this one a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, and obviously. Plenty of people out there agree. So, awesome. Ends number 18, Alec, what is number 17 for you?
3: It is Existential Reckoning by Pussifer. Oh, okay. So, for Another ages... Another weird record from them. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? So, so for ages, um, I, I thought that they were just like a shit joke band. Um, and I just didn't really... I heard V is for Vagina and just went, nope. Um, and just kind of ignored them. Um And just thought Oh it's just May- Maynard James Keenan Just you know Pissing about a little bit Um But then they did Money Shot In I think it was 2015 And um Kind of made me realise No they are an actual band They actually write Quite good songs Um And yeah Pussifer is just fucking rip Um This This really reminds me Of Eat the Elephant By A Perfect Circle From a couple of years ago Um which, you know, in that it's not super heavy on the traditional rock instruments. It's all quite laid back keys and these kind of like vintage electronics, um, here and there. Uh, like, I actually I actually prefer this and Eat the Elephant to um, Fear by Tool I think um, like I find myself going back to this and eat the elephant way more than Fear like I'm not an idiot like Fear Inoculum is good um, <laughs> but, but like, I just these have had more staying power for me um, and I just think that um, the reason why is I think especially on this record um, Pusfer, they're really good at giving you these kind of two like two flavours of, of the band um, like there's the kind of really kind of gorgeous, um, quite serene, delicate stuff. Like I think a lot of it's got to do with Maynard going into his higher register quite a lot, um, like on Bedlamite, with him just going, it's going to be all right. It just makes me feel, it is going to be all right, Maynard, you know? Like, it is. Um, and um, And then there's the other half of the record, which it just makes me feel like I'm a secret agent, um like the the bass runs in uh, Postulus like it's just so men in black um, Yeah I I noticed
1: more like electro robot dancing on, yeah. on this on this record than in the past.
3: Yeah, no it's it's just it's super fun and um the other vocalist uh, Karina Round she is fucking hilarious. Um <laughs> as well as being like she 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 offers such a um yeah just such a different flavor to maynard's vocals and they really complement each other um but her just doing that little shut the fuck up bit in faker front is like i i just laughed um when i heard that like it, it just really caught me off guard um but yeah i i i as did this record to be honest because i didn't expect it to be anywhere near my top 20 and uh here it is yeah Pussifer.
1: awesome yeah i mean we did the Pussifer kind of deep dive when we did the um the kind of tool and general Maynard James Keenan special last year. Yeah. And there was a, a lot more interesting stuff in there that I had maybe kind of uh, anticipated on the surface. Sam, hit me with what you got next.
2: Uh, mine number seventeen is the self-titled album by Dream Nails. Uh, okay. So Dream Nails are I don't, like I don't know uh, this band. sort of yeah, they're 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 a band I discovered this year. To be honest, like um, they're a queer feminist uh, punk band. Um, I think like. Um, if you listen to like petrol girls that sort of thing but a bit more Mm. playful and light high but still when they want to be like very angry punk but this one's just got a lot more like it's a bit cutesy at times i don't know i think like perrin you would bounce off this like so hard but it's really catchy and fun and playful but then there's a couple of songs towards the end of the album the song payback where they well they do just sort of let it all go out and start screaming and shouting and gets a bit more aggro and it's that kind of um, energy and being non-binary myself like this kind of band they speak a lot about that sort of stuff and there's like there's little skits on the album where they talk about um, standing up for trans and non-binary people as well as women and stuff like that which again just is the sort of thing I'm going to be like yep cool I'm on board but it's just I like to say just really fun catchy punk rock with a message I can get behind it's quite a sort of riot girl influence I'd say like that's where like you can tell a lot of their like inspirations come from
1: yeah that side of things yeah i mean a, a lot of people out there see um we get a lot of people who, who really like petrol girls and that kind of sound so definitely go and check out dream nails if that's yeah, your it's, thing
2: it's it's a bit more poppy it's like it, it, and, and like not as sort of charged with rage but there are moments yeah, petrol girls are where they,
1: permanently pissed off
2: yeah yeah dream, there's a there's a few like little like love songs and stuff like that on the dream nails album uh, but it just it's a nice sort of balance between being playful and fun and then being angry when it needs to be
1: okay cool right well dream nails there from from sam um alec what's next
3: uh so i've got black line by respire um i'd never heard of this band before about maybe a couple of months ago um yeah it's
1: another late late entry like i haven't even got around to checking this album out yet properly
3: yeah. Um, so um, yes, the ever effervescent Matt Mills at uh, Metal Hammer introduced me to them, and um, him. I, I guess he and uh, actually quite a lot of our reviews and kind of um, write-ups kind of sold them as this kind of like screamo post-hardcore with t- tinges of black metal kind of band. But um, honestly, I think the kind of screamo-y kind of thing. I think I think I don't know if that's just there because. You know, there's a couple of songs where he starts singing like (laughs) this. I need to make sure I check this out now. (laughs) You've sold it to me. This uh, this is
1: a point where we might diverge. Um. But
3: but I I think the thing is, though, because those moments are quite fleeting on on the album because for for the most part on this, pretty much, I think if you like Death Heaven, you will like this. It's got that same kind of weirdly uplifting kind of thrust to it and I, I guess if if i were to describe it it would be kind of like post black metal with an orchestral edge but not orchestral like okay. um you know like not like Dimmu borgia um, <laughs> um but it uh it reminds me of, of two bands really it reminds me of vampilia and sai who are both from uh japan oh, okay and both do black metal in a in quite a different different uh way with with orchestration and bits and bobs and is this, like, is
1: this like really strange avant-garde stuff then because no. uh, i just i saw the name and i saw the record label it was on and i just kind of assumed it was some kind of emotional metallic hardcore
3: no i i mean maybe i'm just completely tone deaf or whatever but no to, to me it, it's just a it it's just a post black metal album with tinges of that kind of hardcore stuff in it to my ears anyway but yeah no it's like um yeah vampilia influence for that kind of delicate orchestral stuff and scythe for the kind of brutal uh kind of a bit left field stuff um and a lot of people are comparing them to mono as well which i kind of get it's got that contemporary classical um kind of thing but uh i mean this is full of crescendos and stuff like that and i yeah i I love swans they love a good crescendo so yeah i um I love this, and there's all these these little accoutrements, like the the violins and the viola, and trumpet, and of course the uh, the instrument of the hour, the saxophone appears, <laughs> um, and it just sounds really s- just full. Um, it's yeah, I I, uh, I hope I'm not misselling it. Um, maybe I have no idea what I'm on about, but um, well, I hope yeah. not, because
1: otherwise I wouldn't have invited you on this show. Uh- <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, again, with it being such a late release, I haven't even got to check it out yet. I mean, uh, definitely, it's probably the kind of thing that we would have had on a review week had it not landed in December. So, like, yeah. sometimes stuff like that can slip through the cracks, so go check out that. Um, what are I we on now? To, number yeah. 15 are we on?
2: Uh, 16. 16. Mine's
1: All right, 16. I am shit at the numbers part of this. Um, I've, Sam, I've, I've, I've take it through numbered. next. <laughs>
2: yeah, so my number 16 is Silosis, Cycle of Suffering. Very nice. Ooh. Because Silosis, flipping rule, um, it's so good to have them back. This album, like, I just remember... Come back with Ice like Sever. first of all. One of the best songs they've ever written, like... Mm. Like, that song to me, what really solidified that song for me was... I was at the Comeback show earlier this year, and when they opened with that, and that, like, the kind of soft guitar line, and the entire room is singing along that guitar line, like it's Metallica, like... I was yeah,
1: like, the lift of yeah. that part, the end of that yeah. song, is yeah, one of with the... Him, yeah, the, doing yeah. The,
2: the singing over it.
1: One of the best heavy metal moments of, of the... Oh, uh,
2: but that song it just it just kind of nails everything silos are good at it's like thrashy but progressive in a way got a chorus got a big hook to it like a big sort of beat you can shout along i think the album's just full of that sort of stuff i think josh middleton uh is the best he's ever been i think um both in terms of his guitar work and his vocals um it's just really good to have silos back i think that, that, that sort of 2010s like early 2010s uk scene where it was bleepin and Within, silosis feed the rhino all those bands i was so on board with all of them and it just never happened for a lot of them mm. and silosis went away and, and Within went away for a bit and it's fucking wicked to have both those bands back and i kind of debated like do i put both of them in but i think on this on this you know i really preferred the silosis album and so yeah it's just so good to have this band back and Better than I think I think better than they've ever been. Like I like a lot of the previous stuff, but I genuinely think this is the most I've liked a Silosis album. I think and it's, it's just...
1: arguably the stuff that has the most appeal, which yeah. is great. Um okay, now we are on number fifteen, unless I've fucked things. But Alec, what do we have?
3: Uh so my number fifteen is Dalfort with one thousand island, and you spell that D A U F O with one of those little um slashes in it. Uh, DT.
1: Is this Icelandic?
3: Uh, they're Norwegian, right? Um, so it's their debut. They're from Norway, they're a punk band. Spidey senses are tingling. What do you think it sounds like? <laughs> oh, uh, um, Cavell Attack or Turbo Negro, yeah. Um, so it's, um, it is a kind of It's a mix of kind of like Cavell Attack, uh, like early Cavell Attack, and kind of like more raw, kind of like dwarves ish, right? Um, Punk and um, what well, initially, anyway, and um, yeah, there's just a couple of songs on it that are so like they make you know, like Cavell Attack when Cavell Attack proper Cavell Attack it up, and it's proper, just like those rock and roll, like you grab a beer, you know, just like smack someone on the head kind of riffs. They got a few of them. Um, and the cynic, the singer, uh, she's called Annika, her voice is great, she is like the star. She's got that kind of like Brody Dahl. Dave Grohl kind of thing you know when their voices crack and you go yeah they're they're really singing um her voice is like that all the time her voice <laughs> is just like yeah just breaking all the time it's just it's so satisfying to listen to and um it's got this kind of like big time punk choruses and chant alongs, but it's also got these really weird kind of noise rock freak outs in it like some of it's uh there's one song which it's got a really long title i can't remember what it's bloody called but um it's got all this like glitchy stuff in it almost a little bit like a mix of like what code orange might do and then it's also mixed with that kind of you know like primitive man you know when they do that kind of they make everything feel like it's in slow motion mm-hmm. like e- even when they're blasting it you, uh, you just feel like you're just going through traffic really slowly um, yeah just really odd noise rocky bits um, kind of scattered throughout uh, I mean as they scatter throughout it's only like 25 minutes or something um, but yeah it's it's their debut um, they've only been a band a few years I think and it's just, just genuinely exciting uh, I, I loved it
1: alright give us the name of that band again considering it's fucking weird
3: I think it I'm probably saying it wrong. Uh it's Dow I think it's Dowford. It means spelling st- more important here. D A U F. <laughs> one of those O's with the little um slash through it, D T. And it's called One Thousand Island.
1: Okay. I mean plenty of stuff. That sounds that, really cool. Yeah, plenty of stuff that we've not actually covered on the show coming up in these lists, so great. Um Sam, number fifteen.
2: Yeah, I think my number 15's uh, another one that wasn't covered on the show, but um It's uh, Rotting Out, uh, Ronin. Oh, okay. Uh, Just big old Larry hardcore. Yeah, the way Bees and Ryan spoke about the Drain album last week, I think this album kind of filled that place for me where, like, it's just this stomping, pissed off, like, hardcore that is music to, like, at a gig, pile on top of your mates to and grab the mic and dive off the amps and beat each other up. It's. um, Rotting Out were a good band, and I think, like, because they had to split up and then their vocalist had a whole load of troubles and then this is their sort of like comeback album and you can kind of tell that the trouble that their vocalist uh wally went through sort of really fuels his performance on this he sounds so pissed off on every moment and it just i mean adds to it where he just you this sounds like a guy who wants to just fight you every time he's spitting out all the words but it's just like at the same time it's just got loads of like really fun sort of stompy hardcore bits and skate punk stuff in there and the last track on it is with the one moment where they kind of experiment a little bit but it's like 25 minutes of just hardcore anger and i just love that sort of stuff like i listen i think what got this one in my top 20 as well was it came out in the middle of the first lockdown and i just needed an album like this and it was just like yep cool and she just went on my like playlist on repeat and just i ended up going yeah that writing album is wicked and so i thought bring it to more people's attention if you like Angry stompy hardcore. Check this out.
1: Okay, rotting out. Um, Alec, what's next?
3: Uh it's Flowers of Evil by Ulva. Yes. Um Yes,
1: please, here we go.
3: <laughs> I'm I'm just very happy for Ulva to keep kind of sounding like talk talk or whatever. Um I think I think the uh there used to be you know, there used to be a black metal band and now they sound like this. Uh I think it is a little bit of a red herring, even though I've used that um kind of description before because basically you know they did what two black metal albums really early on and then they've just kept doing you know i used to piss my pants when i was a kid like people don't go oh yeah alec used to piss his pants remember um (laughs) but um yeah there's quite a
1: lot in between isn't there yeah they were they were a black metal band five years ago and then suddenly went synth pop there is an entire odyssey of stuff completely unrelated to either of those things spanning all that in between so i get what you're saying
3: yeah and i i just think that this album really shows up some of these kind of nostalgia hangers on who are just so so this synthwave thing this synthwave thing i I sound about 50 (laughs) (laughs) years like no but like um like I'm not that big on it and I think the reason what like, I, I like you know I'm not mad like, I like Perturbator, um, but I think where a lot of it falls apart for me is it's not memorable like they evoke the feelings of nostalgia but but then what like I just think a lot of it is just like it all just sounds exactly the same um, and that's just not the case with Ulva when they're kind of going back and doing their kind of 80s sound you know when you've got Christopher doing that kind of like full on Mark Hollis like who is this man kind yeah. of um it's just like you know you you do what you want mate um it's they're just incredible songwriters um and aside from the, uh, I guess the uh, the, apo- the apocalyptic swell in Little Boy, um, <laughs> uh, although, I mean, I, it fucking I, is. I, I, I don't is. know what else you could say about it. I have realised as well; it's it's impossible to talk about a song called Little Boy without just sounding fucking mental Like I am, um, so I, I reviewed this for for Metal Hammer, and I was reading my review back, um, and I put "lose yourself" in Little Boy's undeniable <laughs> rhythms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, this is just um, it's just decadent synth pop for goths, isn't it? And like cultural, it, it's so culturally aligned with heavy metal still, without without being heavy metal at all. Um, yeah, I just think yeah, if they they could just keep doing this for the rest of their career, if they're gonna chorus choruses this big.
1: Yeah, I, I had a couple songs from it on earlier and I feel like it's going to be a record I'm just going to be like spinning whenever I fancy that kind of thing for a long time. It's so effortlessly listenable. Um, yeah. Sam, what's next on your list?
2: Uh, next one for me is Loathe. I let it in and it took right. everything. Um, Love one of those bands that I've, I've liked for a good while now, but I'm always like... The first time I was like, this is cool, but I want them to go and do something more. And I think on this album, they've started that. I think they're still... There's still something else to come from Lo. I don't think like this is even like scratching the surface of what this band are capable of. Having said that, this is still such a huge step up from the first album. Uh, I love Deftones, so anything that's going to ape Deftones, I'm going to love anyway. And Lowe do a wicked job of it. I think it's more than just Deftones worship as well. They they mix it in with the like more like metalcore elements um, as well. And it just gives them a like a sound that isn't just oh this band are copying Deftones. They they it's like yeah there's songs that sound like Deftones, but they're doing their own thing with it. Um, I think and the as- thing with the
1: Deftones parts is is while I I still believe that the Deftones parts are incredibly obvious sounding, and I think they are yeah. to an extent the most kind of like not tacked on, but they are the most the thing that take me out of it the most. I would also I completely would would go to, and say that those are not the defining part of the sound like they are no i think an it's, element yeah. and there is so much more elsewhere well, I, I back what you're saying entirely in it's, terms it's of like how all the they different shit take going on.
2: that and then they take the sort of metal core but then like bits of industrial i think are in there it's similar to like they're gonna come up a lot code orange It's a similar thing where like it is these loads of different influences being pulled together to a sound that is sounds fresh um, I think I'll just echo what B said as well. This band are just cool. Like, you look at um, the Karan cover shoot they did there, oh, like, yeah. this week. They just look the part already. Like, Agreed. Like, they've got this... And it's not like... And they've got their own aesthetic, I think. They don't look like any other band out there. You look at them, they go, that's... If you know it, you go, that's love right away. They, they've got everything. They've got that side of things down. And I think that is going to help them as well because it's they're a cool band to sell. Like... It-
3: I don't even like loathe, and I looked at that Karankather, and I was like, "Yeah, I want, I want to be loathe."
2: Yeah, it's absolutely that. I think they all, all the members look so different as well. It's like they don't look like a like a bunch of typical metalcore boys, basically. Yeah. and I think that's one of the things they've got going for them is they, they just have something that just it, it like it's aesthetically and sound, they just something that just separates them from the rest of the pack. And I think for UK for upcoming UK bands, I think. There are not, aren't many that are more exciting than love right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't deny that one bit, Alec. Next up on yours is
3: "It's Dead" by Hank von Hell. Um, so he is a he's a singer who can't sing. He 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 cannot hold a note, but God bless him for trying. Um, I I love Hank von Hell. I love. Fucking hell! I'm looking at these album covers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to do this as well now. This for is a incredible. Yeah, um, but like, I, I, I loved him in Turbo Negro. I loved him in his comeback album uh, Ego Mania. and um, this is just a kind of a move further away from the kind of punk stuff that he's known for. It's just a great rock and roll album. I saw Hank. Um, when was it? It was in 2018 in like October or something. And he played a song of this called Disco, right? And it wasn't out. And I, he played it and it was in my head for six months until I heard this album. It's, (laughs) it's so massive. The guitar solo, it just, it's dripping with that kind of excessive, like kind of prequel ghost kind of thing, um, which makes a lot of sense because um, the guy who produced prequel, has a songwriting credit on disco. Um, Oh, I see. Yeah, and uh, the the song's just fucking massive. Um, Like, Am I Wrong, that chorus is better than anything. that You know, bands like Backyard Babies and Hardcore Superstar, like, it's better than any of them have have ever done. He's not even trying. And, um, yeah, there's a song called Blackened Eyes. Um, it's, It's just an anthem, even though there's a bit in it which it does sound like a South Park song. Like, he goes, I'm dancing all over the place. And, like,
1: <laughs> fairness, I... Worked with the character, didn't it?
3: Yeah, well, I, I I can't tell if he's even in on the joke anymore. But, um, at this point, I don't care. Because, um, he's just, he's just writing these incredible songs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have slept on Hank's uh, comeback. But, this and the previous album egomania are both fucking brilliant um yeah check them out
1: all right sam what what is the next on whatever number we're on right now number, <laughs> thir-
2: yeah, number 13 uh my number 13 is uh somewhere nowhere by hundredth so this oh, okay. is another band that i don't think they've ever really been covered on tnm before um hundredth were a pretty good hardcore band i i liked them a lot um always had some interesting ideas but kind of got lumped in with those Empiricon sort of melodic hardcore bands you're being as an oceans and stuff like that despite Mm. I think being more interesting than a lot of that scene but then basically a couple of years ago they realized no one cared about them being a hardcore band anymore so they became a shoegaze band like you tend to do Um, and they released
1: very very much the the, the turnover Uh, of the Empiricon world
2: their last album had a little bit more drive to it this one is pure sort of chilled out vibes basically um very much this has been like my late night chill out album uh, like the artwork for it is a frog on a psychedelic background
1: yeah that frog is tripping
2: yeah like that's the album like that's the sound of the album it, it, this is this it looks it, like is... a shit post which I <laughs> it, 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 all, the, all the band were doing loads of frog memes and shit the build up to the album like they, they, they were in on the joke but the album itself is just a, like kind of synth a bit of synth pop a bit of shoegaze but there's some like really good catchy choruses on it. And I mean, like, the main, the, the lead single bottle it up has just got this pop hook, which I was like, if this was released by a pop band, it would be a, I think a much like make like the 1975 or something like that. It's could have been a massive hit, but this is just some like small former hardcore band doing this sort of thing now. And I don't, I, this might be a bit of a stretch for some of like the TNM listeners and I debated it, but I just really vibe with this album. And I think, well, there's a lot. And there's there.
1: an awful lot of people who like this kind of um, punk go shoegaze kind of sound. Yeah. Like, is this the kind of thing where um, they're kind of carving out their own identity, kind of within that?
2: Yeah, I, sound? I think I think they are. I mean, the sho- shoegaze stuff isn't actually like my biggest love. I find a lot of it really quite tedious. Mm. Uh, I really like Turnover, and that's about as far as I go into that sort of side of things. I even like the later Turnover albums that like have been kind of been given a kicking on this podcast like which i think is fair enough but uh i kind of like the turnover go a bit tropical <laughs>
1: <laughs> fair enough
2: and i think this album has a, a little bit of that to it as well but i d- i just found it just it was just one of those like i could i can just stick this on and just vibe out and just have a lovely time and that's why i think it's ended up getting quite high on my list really because it's just good like nice relaxing but cool sounding
1: okay yeah well, i mean a lot of of. people kind of, um... I know Ryan had a lot of kind of similarly sounding stuff on his list last week. Yeah, so if you yeah. if you enjoyed those things, check out this one as well. Um, Alec, number 12.
3: It's Rebirth by Blasphemy by Midnight. Hell yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, this kind of like black and thrash thing, I just... I need this kind of stuff in me to survive. I'm like a, a shark who can't stop moving or um, or Jason Statham in Crank. Like, I just... <laughs> I need it, Um, and and to me, this album, this is what I wanted Venom to sound like before I ever heard them. Right? It's that kind of turbocharged motorhead sound with that kind of slight extreme metal. There's nothing original about it. They're just better at being Venom than Venom. (laughs) Um, Like this sounds like it could have come out in the '80s. It could have come out in the '90s. Uh, just, I think the the way his voice sounds lends, lends itself quite well to um, that kind of... Uh, you can't kind of stick it in one or the other. Um, like, there's a bit where he, he sounds a bit like Nocturno Culto in um, Warning from the Reaper, where he goes, CHOKING ON YOUR OWN VOMIT!
1: It sounds proper that, like... That, that bit is extremely Nocturno Culto, and I didn't yeah, even just notice that, but yes. Yeah, it is, <laughs>
3: it's proper like the punky Dark Throat stuff, but... Um, yeah, no. This album. I mean, the first song sums it up. You know, fucking speed and darkness. It's
1: <laughs> give me some speed. Yeah, yeah lo- lo- loads
3: real. of loads of big boy riffs and solos and massive vocals. Uh, it's it's the rare sort of album where when you pre-order it, you don't bat an eyelid when you can get a, an album bundle with an actual axe in it. Uh, <laughs> it just makes sense.
1: I was I was genuinely tempted.
3: Um, yeah. it, it wasn't they, even that expensive, was it?
1: no the thing that gets me with this album as well is this album to me with the production job and how big the vocal hooks are and that kind of thing obviously it is too scuzzy for like uh, like a mainstream audience to go anywhere near it yeah but it is about as close as like kind of blackened rock and roll kind of heavy metal has ever sounded to being actual rock stars yeah in terms of just like how fucking full of Swagger and personality is, not I think we had it at the exact same spot on this list. So, so oh. great. Uh, Midnight Rebirth by Blasphemy. Sam, give me number I twelve.
2: Go, that's just a moment. This and last week's moment. I need to go back to that Midnight album because oh, I thought it was pretty fun. The, the yeah, I, I quite fun. liked it, and I think now I need to go back and give it a bit more time. But my number twelve is uh, Brain Pain
1: by Four Year Strong. Oh yeah, um, a, another what a really surprisingly great record.
2: The biggest surprise of the year for me, honestly, like. I really like For You Strong. I've liked all their albums, even the one everyone hated. Um, I think they've always just been a good, fun, pop punk band with one of the best guitar tones in pop punk. Because it just, it's like pop punk with, yeah. with a hardcore guitar tone. It's just wicked. But um, I hadn't, I'd, I'd written them ever off writing an album that's going to go anywhere near a top 20 of mine now. Like, I thought that was, they'll be one of those bands and I was like, yeah, cool, that's decent. And then they came out of nowhere with this. And I was just like, god damn, this is the best album they've released since, like, almost a decade, I'd say. Um, the songs are just massive. The the choruses for days. They've still got that guitar tone that, like, sounds like a hardcore band at points. Um, yeah, I just... I didn't see this one coming, and I think it's come along at a really good time as well because it seems like the kings of this sort of pop-punk tinged with hardcore a Days Remember are losing their way a little bit based on those new songs. So I think... If you if you if you're feeling a little bit disappointed with what a day to remember are doing, here come four years strong, just going back to that classic sound and absolutely smashing it. I think um, Crazy Pills um, is massive, and the breakdown on that is so just like yeah. And I, I really want to see these live, so hopefully, um, hopefully Slam Dunk or something like that goes ahead next year because I want to I want to see
1: them play these songs live. Yeah, I I make you right on the um, the A Day to Remember point. Like, certainly it has come at the point when, you know, that kind of thing, you're maybe struggling. Like, certainly, in terms of just, like, straight-up pure pop punk, when we complain about that all the fucking time, it's really refreshing to get something like this, which has so much kind of heft on it. Like, like, I've not listened to this album in I don't know how many months, but I'm looking at his track list, I can still remember big choruses the, the, from some of these like of uh, course to that get out well. of
2: my head is just that main hook for that they get
3: out of my yeah head.
2: like yeah i'm with you though like i think pop punk has been in the shitter for a while apart with the with the like the exception of a select few bands but i think for Strong would just come along and be like here's some pop punk that doesn't sound so that has punk to it that has a bit of heft to it that isn't just like slightly edgy pop music yeah, yeah I, i'm so into this album and i just didn't see it coming and i think that's what's again made it go so high on my list that it was such a surprise for me
1: yeah i mean please 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 check out the new fuel your strong record if you are someone who has been just hurting when it comes to like straight up pop punk and and you haven't got around to this one because you maybe um have written them off from before or whatever like yeah legitimately great record um alec number 11
3: uh, it's killer be killed with reluctant yeah. hero. Um, I think you guys pretty much said everything there is to say about this last week, but um, I mean, this is the supergroup, right? Like, cause I
1: certainly for straight up like in, in the biggest sense of the word, yes,
3: yeah. Because I, I think there's that you know the whole thing that's trotted out the oh you know supergroups they never actually you know they they never actually break a good album and it's like there are good supergroups they're just not. This good, um, yeah. like "Filthy Vagabond." That that is one of my favourite songs of the last mm. few years. That like the three pronged attack. It's it's brilliant. Something that "Killer Be Killed." I don't know if if Troy is doing something differently or if I've just not noticed it um, in Mastodon before. But his voice doesn't sound real. Um, like you know, um, I think I first noticed it in um, "Wings of Feather and Wax" on the last album. You know when he goes. Cutting razor wire, and it's just it's such a it's such a a weird kind of it's like um, fill liner in the body of Godzilla. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. Yeah, but I just it's just such a unique blend of it just shouldn't work, Um, and I think one of the other main things is. a lot of people, uh, when they talk about this band, they say that that Max, you know, he doesn't really add anything. He just he just kind of turns up and goes, "I rise, I rise," and that's it. <laughs> and it's like, now he's, yeah, he's... But that improves the song. Yeah, doesn't like, it?
2: Just... <laughs> those moments when Max comes in on this album are some of the best on it. When they yeah. just kind of go,
1: "Max, go do what you do." Yeah, I mean, I like it when they reserve when like uh, they are the, the really. Um, the songs on this where they let the tension kind of build for a while there's that long one in the middle um, and you don't hear Max for about four minutes but then when he does come in for his absence it kind of hits all the harder like mm. they utilise them, all yeah. three of the vocalists in just the right places.
3: Yeah, I just, I think it works like best on Animus, which is the kind of like ninety second kind of just like hardcore track. Basically, it's just like when he comes in, it's like when you've not had a fizzy drink for a few weeks, um, <laughs> and then you drink it, and it just feels like someone has just punched you in the, on the arsehole with the <laughs> bottle. Right? It's just so. Oh my god! Like you just it just. Yeah, it's just so invigorating. Um, I think that Reluctant Hero, I think this is better than the first record. Um, I think it's more consistent. It doesn't have a Wings of Feather and Wax on it, which is, that's. I think that is their best song. Um, and I think that album suffered by opening with that. Um, but yeah, I I think this is brilliant. It's, it's, yeah, it's better than it has any right being, which sounds weird because, you know, it's, you know, Converge. Soul, yeah, four of the like, best musicians in the, the world. Yeah. Um, like, yeah.
1: I went into this record um, kind of just hoping for like a few big songs would be nice just in yeah. the way that the first record had um, and I, I agree while it doesn't necessarily have like the single it is like every track is brilliant so it, in that sense it superseded my expectations Yeah, um, Sam number 11
2: uh, number eleven for me is Svalbard.
1: When I die, will I
2: get better? Awesome! Um, I'm glad this is it's yeah. in someone's mm. list
1: because it, it deserves some spotlight.
2: When it comes to sort of like black metal sort of thing and stuff, this is the kind of that post black metal stuff is where I really connect with it. Um, and I think Svalbard they kind of fit into that mold, but um, there's little bits of like hardcore and stuff in there too. But I think the thing I just love about the Salmon is it, the balance between sort of like the darkness and the beauty of it. It is a heavy Bleak album at times, but then they have these just like the like when they crescendo it, it does sound it does have these uplifting, beautiful moments to it that I think they balance that so well. And there's, there's so much passion in everything I think Svalbard do. I think Serena is a huge part of that. I think she is one of like the like such a vital voice, I think, in the like in this industry. I think she's not afraid mm. to speak her mind and doesn't care if if it's going to burn down any bridge at the time she's like what i have to say is more important and i've I'll, i've always applauded that and i think again the album doesn't do like you look at the song titles this album doesn't do subtlety but it no, it, it, so. it, <laughs> no but it but it, it but that's i think that's all for the better of it. i think it's like what was she wearing it's just like straight to the point i think in a scene like black met in like sort of would you would you call this a would you say the sounds linked to black metal parent? Like, I, I would of, say it's yeah. I mean, yeah. For, for
1: me, Svalbard are kind of a, but they're a band who've kind of emerged from like kind of crust and hardcore, yeah. and they Have increasingly kind of injected that with kind of post rock and post black metal. So I probably still they're like it's still full of D beats, so it's yeah. still got like a lot of hardcore element in there that can root it there. But like it is um, a, a wonderful link between kind of all of those different worlds.
2: Yeah, and I think I think that's one of the reasons why I've why I really like it because it has bits from like hardcore stuff like that, but then just takes it into this sort of expansive. like it just expands on it and takes, takes it to new places. And I think, so would have always been, I think a really good band, but this album in particular was when I think they really, really stepped up and I can't wait to hear where they go next from it. And I, I felt for them when, right as obviously this album was going to come out, the whole Holy Roar thing happened and given what this album represents that would have been i think a particularly mm. shaky moment for the band but that, i think they're a band who clearly stuck to their convictions were like they were one of the first i think one of the first to sort of be say they were out they were off the label and were still able to get the album out and the i think the reception to it really was positive and i'm stoked to sort of see more people catching on with Svalbard now
1: yeah and the thing with Svalbard is, is it's not just what they're saying which kind of you know many many bands in the world have the kind of politics or messages that bands like Svalbard have um, it's when you listen to the album it's you feel the fucking passion and the conviction yeah. in it that's what makes records like this really noteworthy it is, yeah, that, that's, well, like, that's what it is for me Like that um, that kind of unsubtle but just kind of you feel that rage in that scream it, it's completely unavoidable so yeah Svalbard nice to see that in there um that was number 11 covered normally we we kind of we split these into two different parts for the two halves of the list but seeing as there are only two of you we're kind of flying through these decently quickly i think we'll probably just keep this going in the in the one so let it let us go into the top 10 first of all though we have the next section of the listener album of the year chart to kind of run through so just as we did with sam and alec there 20 through 11 from you guys we have a number 20 Elephant Tree, Habits Number 19, Sharp Tooth, Transitional Forms 18, Greg Preciato, Child Soldier, Creator of God 17, Gulch, Impenetrable Cerebral Fortress 16, Touche Amore, Lament 15, Ananathrac, darkenment 14, Bury Tomorrow Cannibal Biffy Clyro, A Celebration of Endings Killer Be Killed, Reluctant Hero And here it is, number 11, Palm Reader, Sleepless Awesome to see that kind of sneak in that sneak in there like about a week ago But yeah, uh, that's fucking great to see a lot of those in there. Um, Let's get into the top 10 from you guys. Um, Alec, number 10, kick us off.
3: Uh, It's Throws of Joy in the Jaws of Defeatism by Napalm Death. Um, They just beg a belief, don't they? Uh, Their their career, just them existing as a band. Um, I think um, what I quite like about this and I guess the last... Few albums is um, I'm going to bring up Swans again because I like I like Swans. Um, but in it, fairness,
1: na- Napalm Death, you're you're like, you're allowed <laughs> yeah. to, like it, it's obvious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, I think their kind of latter part of their career, kind of um, mir- it's a, a refracted kind of mirror of Swans in that they've they've done all these different styles in the past and they're still remaining uncompromisingly heavy but whereas swans have gone they've gotten heavy in a very different way in the they're doing two-hour albums with a uh, kind of pension age man going i on it um which is yeah. very heavy <laughs> um that makes it sound like it's rubbish it's not it's brilliant um but napalm death are still doing that kind of abrasive blasting noise thing just as well as they did in like the 80s you know like fuck the factoid on this like that's just as metal and just brutal as some of the 80s stuff. Um, but on this is just, there's so much more. I, I know that everyone talks about uh, a moral, the, the kind of the one that you go, Oh yeah, that's killing joke. Um, but you have, the, uh, what was it, um, a belly full of salt and spleen? That's a terrifying pro- song. That's a terrifying song. Yeah, yeah it, that's like a proper throwback back to the kind of like, um, greed and holy money era of of swans, the kind of like no wave thing that they were doing. But, um, just to have Napalm Death do that kind of callback, but, but it's Napalm Death now, uh, it's just so refreshing to, to hear them tackle that in 2020, um, just because they just sound incredible um, they, they just find new ways to, to make things sound heavy, you're like Barney going black metal on the song I'm not going to try and pronounce because at work I get fucking rinsed for trying to do French uh, so I'm, I'm not going to bother, but you know the one I mean, right, I can't wait another six years um it's not fair it has been six years right since apex Uh, predator nearly
1: roundabout yeah
3: yeah i can't i can't wait another six years every
1: fucking second of it tell you what yeah yeah i mean fucking napalm
3: death awesome um
1: sam number 10 uh
2: my number 10 is deftones oms right i mentioned earlier i love deftones i think they're one of the best bands ever and this album is just deftones being really fucking good and yeah like i think Like, I think Bees and Ryan covered almost anything I could say about this album last week. But I think one of the things that this kind of draws on... Because you get different kind of Deftone albums. I think, like, Gore was a more chilled out one. And this one has a bit more, I think, of, like, the riff to it. But I still think it kind of touches on all the previous Deftones albums a little bit and kind of brings it together. Yeah, I just... The title track on this is one of the best songs that band have ever written. Um, I was I listening to a, that earlier today. I yeah. think it's a really cool way to end the album. I mean, the album is bookended like with Genesis, opening with Genesis and ending with the title track is an incredible way to sort of start an intro album, and everything in between is fucking brilliant as well. I don't need to sell Deftones to people. Like I don't know. <laughs> like, <either laughs> I mean, it's, it's always
1: worth, d- worth celebrating. The thing with yeah. the, with this record is I uh, I've noticed because I feel like I've caught myself saying this in a number of reviews for various bands over the past like year or two is a lot of kind of elder bands releasing brilliant records that in a kind of comprehensive way sum up an awful lot of what they've done over their career in one really cohesive way like this is yeah it's what i was saying about paradise lost uh in my list um i would maybe look at someone like trivium for doing a similar thing this record is like where gore leans on one side of deftones Tones. Yeah. this is like the deftones sound isn't it
2: i think yeah it since like most it's like white pony i think where it's like not white pony uh diamond dies where it's like the most comprehensive yeah. sounding deftones album where it's kind of like the chill vibe the riff the like it's all there and i think all the band members are on their a-game on this i think Chino's like doing really good stuff like on the vocals um steph carpenter just you can kind of tell he was a bit involved on this album and he's having a good time of it Deftones are great you know what a surprise <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah for one of the most obvious statements of, of uh, the year yeah. <laughs> but there it is Deftones always worth celebrating um, Alec number 9
3: uh, so my number 9 is Algorithm and Blues by The Good The Bad and The ziggly. Um
1: <laughs> okay who are these guys <laughs> where so, are you pulling these bands from so
3: <laughs> I didn't listen to this band for ages because they've got a stupid name um so it's like i didn't listen to against me for ages because they had an exclamation mark in their name um,
1: <laughs> do you do you also hold that against godspeed you black enemy, <laughs> with, with the actual spot being in the middle yeah
3: <laughs> the panic at the disco <laughs> but um but basically this band is um it's eva from um other band yeah, the, 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 oh, okay. the, the new singer from Covell Attack this is his, his other band um, and it was released in January the opening track is called The Great Indoors which was scarily prophetic <laughs> um, this is just great punk song and there's also
1: a song in the about a mask <laughs> like what, what, what yeah, did these yeah, guys exactly. know
3: that it's, we did not? Was it the the man behind the gas mask? Isn't it? I think something it's like that. Yeah, um, it's just really great punked up rock and roll. Like it's it's the best Turbo Negro album since Apocalypse Dudes. Like they they know that they're a Turbo Negro ripoff. Like they reference it a lot. Like even on this album, there's a skit where it's like you can be anything you want to be. You can even be the president at least of the Turbo Jugend. Um <laughs> and um on this Evar, he sounds so much like Hank used to sound and the kind of the leads and the kind of rock and roll licks it's just that vintage death punk sound but really fresh. Um they're also funnier than Turbo Negro as well because not all the jokes are just them pretending to be gay. Um so it's yeah, it's it's genuinely funny. Um there's there's a song called fuck the police um which uh he spends a verse uh talking about how much he hates the band the police <laughs> um, there's uh there's a song called corporate rock uh there's a line in it which uh, i think it's your rock and roll band looks more like a pr firm at the spa um there's a song called what have you done for me lately which is him saying that Norwegian black metal bands. What have you done for me lately? You know, you were burning all those churches, but now you're just, you're playing at the opera, you're truffle connoisseurs, you know. <laughs> what, you know, what have you What have you done for me lately? And it's just, it's, it's really, like, despite the name of the band and the cover of the album, it's really funny without being too, like, wacky. Um, but it's also got, like, anthems in it. Like, there's a song in it called Staying With The Trouble, which is... It's just, it's so big. Um, I think some of these choruses, I think if you into to like, um, like Billy Talent uh, as well, I think uh, I think that, that's, you might get some bit from this as well, maybe. Um, quite yappy. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this was just, it's just one of those ones that I just, I, I didn't think it had a chance at all, but then I just kind of, I realised I was listening to this pretty much every day and laughing a lot
1: okay great well we'll check that out um sam what's next
3: uh
2: my number nine is trivium what the dead men say yeah there we go i'm just gonna start to say it is so good to love a trivium album again it's been too long like like i thought um the sin sense was really really good but i haven't loved a trivium album since in waves and then this came along and i was just like oh trivium and just two good trivium albums in a row again love it
1: yeah, but, f- first time that's happened on mass, because, you know... Since the, in the, waves. The, 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 tr- the truth is no, but uh, it's the first time it's happened and, en masse. If en in all shows, tries to say Shogun, Shogun isn't in a good waves.
2: album, oh, I'm not having that. Oh, no, I'm, I'm saying the stuff after <laughs> yeah. in
1: waves, but on uh, yeah. mass Shogun into in waves, yeah.
2: But um, the thing with, tr- like, is... Look, exactly what we said about Death Names. This is everything Trivium have done over the sort of 15 years prior in one album sounding cohesive I think to sort of just say this is just a metal album does it a huge disservice I think these songs what is metal they, 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 these songs are interesting they're not this isn't five finger death punch like mm. this isn't just like knuckle dragging metal this is there is there is intricacies there there is a variety of different areas it touches on metal I think um I'm not going to say that this album has made me go back and like certain trivium albums that I thought were rubbish but those albums make sense to me now because that like silence in the snow is a necessary step to get to this album it's also great it's not (laughs) (laughs) this is is another conversation for another time isn't it
1: um yeah as i say the truth is no it it is like whatever it's it's comprehensive but also um it like i love the deftones record i'm not saying this is a slight against that but like deftones sound very just comfortable being toes whereas this Trivium record sounds fucking hungry and fire yeah up.
2: it it sounds like, I said, like they've just gone right we know we are Trivium now this is what Trivium is this is it is metalcore it's a bit of metalcore it's a bit of trad metal it's a little bit of power metal it's thrash metal it's slightly progressive it just all these elements just gel together in such a cohesive way the amount of songs you could have in the sound that could have been singles is ridiculous as well it's literally
1: um, every song
2: it, li- literally every song like <laughs> Oh, it's so good. I mean, has the, the the defiant get released as a single at all?
1: I don't even remember which ones. Like, apart like, from Catastrophist and, and what uh, the, dead what men, the dead men say. say. Yeah, um, I don't know. And like, it was like, like we, we were discussing last week as well when they were doing the um the like they did about seven of these songs in the big full arena live stream mm. they did. Yeah, and then, like, the remaining three ended up in like the deep cut sets they did on Twitch afterwards, and it was like you could have taken any one of those like. And put them among those three, and it wouldn't have made any kind of more sense in regards to which ones got shunted to the side.
2: I mean, the other, like, again, I'm going to go back to The Defiant, because that for me is the standout on the album. Yeah. That that key change, that, that just the last part of the album, the build, that song, the build up to that key change, it's just, I'm like,
1: yeah, this is is fucking unbelievable. It's
2: so empowering, and I'm just like, ah, like, and the fact they could play that song on the live stream and go straight into Paul Harder and I wouldn't, didn't immediately forget they just played The Defiant. That song can kind of stand toe-to-toe with one of the quintessential Trivium anthems. I think it just speaks so highly of the quality of this record. Um, the last one I had, I think Alex Ben has been such a difference maker to Trivium. Mm. I think his drumming, on this, I think on this album in particular, like there's so many cool little bits he does, and it just propels the album forward. And I'm just like, oh, I, I'm ex- This is the first time where I've been like, I'm excited for the next Trivium album now, not I'm a little bit nervous about the next Trivium album because I want to love Trivium. I always do. They're one of those bands. I want to do... I want every album Trivium released to be this good. And it's not always that the case. And bless them, it's because they try new things. But... And sometimes those experiments have worked and sometimes they're silence in the snow. (laughs) But this album is just all those experiments put together into... Something fucking brilliant, and it's so good to just feel this way about a Trivium album.
3: Yeah, uh, backed, um, Alec number eight. It is "Of the Egg drama Made Dirt by Afsky or Afsky if you're English. A F S. You want to spell that one out as well? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting to, to drop this in just through the albums you're talking about but Alec does in fact live in Scandinavia (laughs) (laughs) despite having a name like Chillingworth he is out there among this which would maybe kind of add up here
3: honestly mate every single time I reveal my surname to someone Swedish they think it's the first time that someone has said this to me where they go ah Chillingworth you like to chill yeah Um, anyway, tell yeah. us about this band. Yeah, so A.F.S.K.Y., um, which is A-F-S-K-Y. Um, so it's a Danish one-man black metal project. Uh, it's his second album. Um, this is my favourite kind of pure black metal release from this year. It's quite reminiscent of um, uh, Ulver's black metal period um, quite a uh, lots of repetition um, of these kind of tr- tremelo riffs, kind of building and building, uh, and equally there's quite a few little folky accoutrements. Um, but whereas Ulver, you know, like they, what was it in where they just recorded in like a f- forest or some yeah, Nattens Madrigal, yeah, some bullshit like that. It's not like that. Like it sounds quite quite warm, uh, not super like lo-fi and frosty. And like, I'm going to mention them again, but I think if you like stuff like Death Heaven. I don't think this would be that much of a stretch. What about
1: like um, the the less folky, more black metal side of of what Mirko does? Yeah,
3: yeah, that. Yeah, Yeah. I I think that's um, that's a very good shout. Yeah, Um, and it's just it's just so sad, man. Like, um (laughs) (laughs) oh, mate, you're selling it to (laughs) me. Not like not like Shining or Life Lover or something, um, but just like proper proper melancholy um like the the artwork it's uh, a piece i can't remember who did the artwork but it's, a, it's a painting and it's just a um a wife grieving for her um her, her dead husband she's holding him in in her arms i think they're in the middle of yeah the if you're
1: trying to search this album it, it's afsky as has been spelled out and it is the one with uh, just a woman crying on a beach over her body <laughs> yeah. which really does sell the vibe
3: yeah, and uh, there's this song called uh, Stiem, Ninja, Stiem Ninja 1 and 2, which is, I think that's the album's peak, because it kind of encompasses every everything he tries to do on it, and there's this bit about, I think it's about 3 minutes and 40 seconds in, just some proper, like, lovely cymbal chokes, and you're like, oh, this is going to kick off, and it goes, tung, tung. and it just goes into the black metal um, blasting. Um, it's just... Yeah, it, it, I, I've not listened to a whole. Well, I've not really kind of hung on to a lot of stuff like this from this year, but this was uh, the proper standout for me. Like he has another album called Sorry, which is um, which is also good, but this one is uh, yeah, this one's um, a lot better, markedly in my opinion. And I'm I'm really excited for what he does next.
1: Okay, I will I will check this out because this is potentially a bit of me, and I hadn't that one hadn't come across my radar. Um, okay, Sam.
2: Uh, Sharp Tooth Transitional Forms There we go Nice eight. Um, So I Discovered Sharp Tooth A couple of years After a mate Basically said Sam this band Are your fucking thing And played some of One of their songs With their first album And I was like Yeah this band Are my fucking thing um, But it was when I was Kind of like I don't think it's quite There yet This is something I really like But I think It's not Going to be appealing To everyone Because I think It's a little bit A little bit rough Around the edges I think the first album Has got a couple Of really good songs On it But um, But I was like, they they, they could go on something really good if they can, like, smooth out these, like... Not smooth out the edges, but kind of refine their sound and build their craft a little bit. And then I think they've just gone and done that on this second album. I think, as a hardcore album, this is one of the most live wire and, like, fun but angry and just passionate records of the year. I think Lauren Kashan is one of the standout vocalists at the moment i think her personality is all over everything on this album she's there's you talk about like bands when they're funny i think like there is a lot of humor to what sharp tooth do in a lot of ways but it's not all weird wacky it's we're gonna write kind of like it's like really sarcastic take kind of yeah. takedowns of
1: which i appreciate
2: hardcore macho bullshit um I mean, this album's, uh, like, in a lot of ways, this sounds a love letter to hardcore, but also a kind of, like, takedown of it. It's it's really critical of a lot of the problems in hardcore whilst loving the music. Um, and I think Lauren is very vocal about that. Again, she's another one who doesn't care. I mean, the whole band don't care if they will piss off the entire hardcore scene with the things they say. They want to say it, and that's what's more important. What people saying about them live, they are flipping brilliant live as well, and I'm excited to see them come back here with because uh, with this album and with people now being a bit more clued into them because when i saw them they were playing the black heart like half empty and so it's mm. kind of like that, that that's where i saw them last year so i mean it's really good that this year more people have caught on and i think it's just the quality of this album is why and also when you just got a mosh that is mosh call like I, <laughs> I i i love that so much i thought i was like I mean the album's full of great mosh there you're not a feminist just because you fucked one as well is a really like yep yeah, oh that that one hits the spot uh, there's a song that sounds like every time i die which again like just i'm, I'm going to i'm always gonna love this is this sort of stuff um, and i'm really excited to see where sharptooth go next i think this is this is a huge step up but i think the next one where they go from here is going to be even bigger i think especially as they get more i think there's going to be more ambition to the
3: next album
1: yeah agreed sharp tooth um alec number seven we are on i believe
3: uh yeah speaking of ambition uh number seven is underneath by code orange um heavier but more melodic um <laughs> 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 yeah, for real they've they've they're the only band who's actually done it um but haven't even been talking about it but yeah um they've they've just they just made it somehow more more palatable without sanding. Any of the edges off um because it 's so abrasive and just it's it,
1: added about a billion new edges into the mix,
3: yeah um and they 've just taken all these elements of industrial and hardcore and you know leaning a lot more on the kind of alternative rock stuff, and they just they don 't sound like anyone else um and, and I, I guess in just in terms of the way it sounds and like the production, like I think this is the best they've ever sounded like it sounds like the future um just the way the kind of those glitches come in uh now there's even more pronounced they just they they like they still catch me off guard um the the kind of the stop start stuff like it still gets me even though i've been listening to it for what like nearly a year or something yeah um, and forever
1: was doing that nearly 4 years ago yeah. and it's still jarring
3: yeah and and like we we knew that they could do all the brutal stuff and you know we'd heard them they're like bleeding in the blur and everything but that one two of um Silver Surrounding and The Easy Way is so good um yeah like that that might be my favourite one two of any album this year I think um and I, I got into Code Orange on like I'm sure quite a lot of people did on uh, I Am King um so it's been really cool to see them kind of grow into this just fucking weird, mutated beast. Because when, when I first heard them, I, I, I heard them in maybe, like, kind of late 2014, and then I, I saw them, and there was this kind of snotty, weird, hardcore band opening for At The Gates. Um, and now they're just, yeah, they're, they're typo-negative meets Converge, meets Nine Inch Nails, meets about... Two hundred different bands, but they don't sound derivative at all. It's it's just exciting. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Code Orange. Uh, Sam.
2: The uh, number seven is Creeper. Sex, Death in the Infinite Void. Very uh, nice. Just what a massively overblown camp goth rock <laughs> extravaganza. Yeah. I like. Like I thought Creeper were really good as a punk band, but like the moments where they got more theatrical were the ones I always really liked I think Misery I Choose to Live stuff like that uh, the ending to Down Below so them going and just picking that side of their sound and going we're going to do a whole album of that but we're going to add in goth country and 1950s rock and roll uh, and musical elements it just it's so good like Thorns of Love Thorns of Love that that, that sounds like Greece, but for goths and I flipping love it (laughs) Uh, there's so many different elements of this album. There's like, it doesn't just do one thing and stick to it. There, there is Cyanide, which is like a country song, and then you've got um, Paradise, which is this kind of like synthy pulsing like americano, and then the saxophone comes in and that mm-hmm. lift when the saxophone coming in at the end. But then they, they, the moments where they still want to go and do an AFI sounding like punk song, like Napalm Girls, they, they just. They, they they mix up the album so much throughout and it just it keeps it never feels like it settles into just doing just doing the the goth musical sort of thing. Yeah, there
1: there is a song on this album for basically every mood while yeah. managing to keep you plugged in for like half an hour or so without being confusing, which is a really like I don't think you could sell it short what an achievement yeah. that is by itself even before factoring anything else about what this album does or what went into its creation or anything like that
2: and i know a lot of people will be like really critical about the little skits and the spoken word bits and they are really cheesy and silly but again they just add to the whole vibe of the album it is it is a cheesy album it is it is a bit of like meatloaf kind of like pompous rock opera but that's what they're going for, and I think those skits are an important part of the DNA to it.
1: Yeah, it's it's just not it's not shying away from anything. Like yeah, it's it, 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 it it, not a uh, I don't know an introverted album.
2: No, 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 not at
1: all. This is full
2: on peacock feathers, like yeah, but but make it goth.
1: Yeah, and, and fucking hell, what feathers? Um, okay, yeah. Alec, number six.
3: It's what the dead men say by Trivium. Um, I love Trivium Um, which
1: I I don't I I can't speak to your top five so I don't know but there there are a couple of albums that have the potential to land in all five of the presenters lists on TNM this year which is something and this is obviously now the first to do that I think
3: yeah I just um, yeah I I love Trivium like they were they were my first metal gig Um, they I think the only thing of theirs I think isn't up to it is is vengeance falls so as you kind of covered already sam i'm just so happy that they're kind of back on the wagon and everyone everyone is just willing trivium on to be brilliant and you know you had you know cinema sentence you know everyone was like, oh shit trivium are good again and like yeah they were always good they just had one album where he pretended to be david drayman (laughs) um like um i I like vengeance falls
2: if you remove the draymanism you, anyway
3: <laughs> I'm not Trivium always caused the biggest dis-
1: like disagreement like when we did the Trivium special and the jumping between albums and which people were on board with which albums and which ones they weren't it's always just confusing but and that's what makes I think this era of Trivium special because regardless of which ones you think were bad and which ones you liked no one thinks these ones are bad no, this yeah, is time when everyone agrees and that is what allows a band like Trivium to go to the next level
3: yeah and uh again another thing you said Sam about um it might be a bit reductive to say oh it's, it's just a metal album um but I do think that this is the best kind of quote-unquote pure heavy metal album of the year like if someone wants to get into heavy metal they just want to get into something a bit harder in 2020 you are know, like, what's new you know I like you know I like Metallica I like Slayer or whatever you give them this, don't you? Like oh, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's just it's it's metal, um, and you know it's not reinventing really the wheel. And I think the thing is, not everything has to be innovative. Not everything has to push the boundaries. Because I've seen like uh, you know, obviously it's, it's end of end of year, you know, list kind of season a lot of people, when they're discussing Trivium, I've seen quite a few people kind of basically, like, oh, you know, kind of just dismissing it as, oh, it's just, you know, Trivium, they're not doing anything new. But then they'll have, like, I don't know, Run the Jewels and Ulva in their list. Like, Ulva, I love that album, but it's...
1: It has a song on it called Nostalgia. Yeah, like, it's not, <laughs> yeah.
3: it's not, it's not anything new. Like, I think if you're dismissing Trivium for that, I think you're kind of missing the point because they, they are just the classic idea of heavy metal but updated for the 21st century Like the, Yeah It's just It's just heavy metal 2020 And like Again what you said About Alex Ben, Like on The Sin of the Sentence, and on this, he is just fucking incredible, despite the yeah. fact that when you watch him, he looks like he is falling asleep. Um, every <laughs> On the live stream, yeah, so laid back. Yeah, Like it's, it's almost a little bit worrying. Um, but yeah, um, he's incredible, and I'm just, I, I'm glad that they've actually kept a drummer, uh, and, <laughs> and he, he seems to be stuck there for good, they need to glue him to that drum stool, because... <laughs> He is, he is the one. He has my do you heart. I that, think
1: that's why he looks uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> but yeah, like just all the songs on this, you know, like the defiant, the title track, catastrophist, um, the ones we leave behind. That's a, oh, It's just, just urgent sounding. Like they just sound so up for it. These are just fucking anthems. Um, and it, it's, it's just classic trivium. It's, I, I love it. It's fucking brilliant.
1: Yeah, arguably the first classic metal record of the decade.
3: Mm. I was going to go back. It's I think one of
2: the things I meant to say is it's so unashamedly metal. Yeah, like it is more than just metal, but it's not ashamed that it is.
1: It's overflowing with love for it.
2: Fist pumping metal album. Mm. It it, yeah, they they love metal and they want to show it, and it's great.
1: Yeah, Sam, number six then.
2: Uh, my number six is Biffy Clyro uh, Celebration of Endings okay uh, another band where this album is an amalgamation of their entire career to me I think when this out al- when they dropped Instant History as the first single off this album I was like oh no they're, they're, <laughs> they're going Imagine Dragons aren't they <laughs> fortunately that song makes way more sense to the album and then they also followed up that song with End Of which is like Living as A Problem part two almost like it's proper angular angry big rock song where they they've got a bit of venom in them and that's this album this album has weird like jaunty biffy Claro on the champ it's got um, really sincere lovelorn ballad Biffy Claro on um, space is it like space or space something like that um, you've got massive pop rock with instant history um, tiny indoor fireworks is one of the best songs of the year yeah, I mean, that, that chorus song just is pops so, into my head an awful it's, lot. It's, every time I just hear that, hey, 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 I'm just like, yep, yeah, cool, I'm in. I, I I think I think that song is so brilliant. Um and then when they end end the song on it, like no arena rock band has the guts to end a song on end an album on a song like Cop Syrup. This weird, like six minute mm. long song which has this weird instrumental like jam in the middle. It, and that's something that only Biffy Clyro in their position would do, and I think that's what makes Biffy Clyro the standout rock band in the UK. I, I think this band I've loved every Biffy Clyro album except for um Ellipsis. Um so I was a little bit between that I thought Balance and Symmetry, which was the kind of stopgap between Ellipsis yeah, and this. The I thought that was thing. that was I thought that was really cool. And I kinda wish that had been the album that Ellipsis was. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was just really good to be like, ah, oh, Biffy Clara back on their, like on the top of their game and if you are going to download if it goes ahead next year I implore you, give Biffy Clara a chance because they are one of the most interesting and varied massive rock bands in the UK and, and they're, they're a really good band at tailoring their set to the crowd they're playing to. I mean, I saw them headline Sonosphere nine years ago and and they knew exactly what to play to that crowd.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, and no think, one seemed to complain about them headlining a metal festival then, did they?
2: Yeah, I B- mean, sort of. Speech, I, I don't. Think it's just not <laughs> as big a deal as Download, but yeah, I, I, I'm. I've. I like I said. I've always been in on Biffy Clyro for the like since I got into them, and I think this album is one of their best. And I, yeah, just Biffy Clyro being great again. I'll leave it at that.
1: Yeah, most I've enjoyed a Biffy Clyro album In a very long time Considering I have a Kind of rocky relation with them, uh, with, yeah, relationship With them in general So, yeah, fair enough yeah. Um, Biffy Clyro We are on the top five now I believe So Yep Fucking big Hefty shit here Alec What's your number five?
3: My number five is a a suitably big, hefty album. It is reincarnated by Rain, or reincarnated, I guess, because it's spelt the same. See what she did there. Um, <laughs> but um, this is um, a yeah, a musician from Stockholm. It's her debut album. Uh, basically, she. How are we spelling Rain? Is R- it like R- the weather or R E I N?
1: R E I N. Okay, carry on.
3: Yeah, basically she's what I'm relying on given that I've not had a Skinny Puppy album in seven years and I've not had a good one in about 12. Um, so she she does that kind of bouncy 80s era big beat Skinny Puppy thing, but it's w- with a modern day production with a kind of electropunk woman shouting these kind of like, slogans that you probably hear on like a KMFDM album or something. Um it's brilliant. It's very like the the feel of it. I guess um if if you like the kind of world that Code Orange have created, this fits into that. It's very kind of cyberpunk Philip K Dickish. Like she, you know, she there's a bit where she sings about androids dreaming of electric sheep. There's a bit in a song where she's just listing things that you'd associate with industrial metal like she's just <laughs> going like she's going skyscrapers dystopia um, <laughs> but like um so it's not so it ticks everybody yeah it's like? not it's not metal it is industrial um but it's um some of it it's just got that kind of like ravey almost prodigy-ish uh bit in it like there's a song called body hammer and it's got those kind of hey kind of ravey bits. It just goes so fucking hard. And then the the synths, it just sounds like you're you're playing Tekken um, or, or like, you know, CrossFaith when they just proper ham it up uh, with the synth. It's kind of like that. Or um, half
1: of Bring Me The Horizons later. <laughs> yes. Um, but
3: um, I think uh, what I really love about this is... Um, so when people were trying to get me to like Three Teeth a few years ago, um, like... I think Three T for fine, but ultimately it's kind of it's Ministry for people who think they're into S and M because they 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 watch Fifty Shades and they accidentally call their boyfriend daddy or something. Like <laughs> it's it's all right, but it's just like it sounds. It doesn't sound new. They don't sound like a new band to me. Like their covers are fucking brilliant. Actually, uh, similar to Ministry. Of- yeah, I, I
1: I like Three Teeth in a very nostalgic sense. I yeah. think they write just big industrial metal songs are catchy.
3: Yeah, well, that's the thing, because it was the whole thing, oh, they're the future of industrial metal. It's like, No, it just sounds exactly like <laughs> <laughs> Ministry and Revolting Cox and stuff, which is fine. I love that. Um, but Rain takes the kind of, yeah, the, the skinny puppyisms, bits and bobs are like from KMFDM and stuff, and they just sound cutting edge. Um, yeah, I think this sounds brilliant. Um, it's only like it's like 30 minutes long or something she's got a bunch of eps uh and singles from the past few years she used to be a little bit more her voice she shouts quite a lot she used to be a little bit more raspy is a bit less so on this album but she's got a very st- distinctive really like unique voice uh I, I think she's great um so that's my number five rain with reincarnated reincarnated however you fancy
1: <laughs> okay rain um sam What is your number five? Uh,
3: My number five.
2: So it's an album that I debated putting in, but because you covered it on the show, I was like, it's going in. uh, That's fair
1: enough. That's rules, yeah.
2: uh, Run the Jewels with RTJ4. Okay, yeah. Um, Run the Jewels were acts that I always appreciated more than I liked. I've got Mm. friends who are massively into them, but anytime sort of like my Grebo friends are kind of bigging up a hip-hop act, I'm a little bit cynical because sometimes that act is Scarlord. (laughs) Like... Uh, so I'm always and I was always like they're cool but I'm not I'm not really into hip hop I'll admit that but then I think this is one of those albums that just the most vital album that could have come out this summer in a lot of ways with I'm not going to go and pretend I I can talk for any of the experiences of this album really grabs your attention and um, tracks like Walking in the Snow where it has the bit about Mm -hmm. watching a cop kill him on TV until he he says he can't breathe it's just it really drills home the sort of dark, like horrible nature of that. Um, it's, but it's not just that sort of stuff. There's, there's really hard hitting, like fun moments on there. I think it's just a really cool sounding album. Just is like the centerpiece of it. I think, and when you have that Zach de la rocca guest spot come in, it's impossible not to get caught up in it. I think Mate. it's so good to have him back on him on a track just give it
1: fucking furious
2: yeah yeah. i mean that's it the 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 album is there's a lot of anger on the album but there's i don't know like this is i don't this is my sort of like struggling to talk about hip-hop because it's just not where i exist usually but this is just one of those albums that is is so good that i think it kind of goes beyond the genre where even if i'm not big into hip-hop i would still say you need to check out this album I mean, there's, a, there's
1: a reason run the Jewels are like always like it's a reason it was covered on this show and it, it yeah. has like you know it is a hip-hop album first and foremost but it, it fits in these kind of lists because uh the the not just the kind of the messages or anything but the, again the sound and, and the,
3: the it is heavy the, the power is of delivery
1: is yeah. absolutely universal
2: but it's just i think the quality of it as well and just i think this album represents um uh, a few words for the firing squad that closing track is so incredible the the journey that song takes you on yeah i just think like i say for someone who doesn't listen to a lot of hip hop this album just really caught my attention and sort of made me go i need to go back and like it's made me go back and reevaluate the previous one of the jewels albums i like i was wrong about them before this so yeah i think that's why this has just found its way so high up my list this year
1: yeah yeah okay run the jewels Alec, number 4
3: Oh, God, so, um, number four, um... Is Ale Storm? <laughs> Devil Imagine. Daddy. No, um, so, um, my number four, um... It's Brave Faces, Everyone by Spanish Love Songs.
1: Okay, that's that's more respectable than what I thought was coming. No, no, um...
3: <laughs> I, I didn't like Schmaltz, um... I didn't listen to this album until two weeks ago, maybe, like an idiot. Um, I think if I'd actually listened to it when Ryan told everyone to listen to it, um, I think this probably may have ended up at, like, number one. Um, Like... It just fucking hit me right in the feels, mate. Like, it gets hard, doesn't it? It won't be this bleak forever. Yeah, right. Um, like, just cleaning my house, going, yeah, man, I feel you. Um, like, the the rawness of his lyrics. Like, it's, it's about not having any money, like, feeling like shit, being down, giving up. It's also honest and and relatable and like this isn't my area of expertise at all like to me it just sounds like a sad men's singers. Um but like I'm sure it's going to come up later but um, yeah I was I was fucking gobsmacked by this album
1: so awesome I got two people who like Spanish love songs so yeah <laughs> take that everyone who, who can't stand my opinions on this band um, <laughs> and the fact that the man still sounds like a sheep but Spanish love songs <laughs> before four um, Sam what's next
2: uh, my number four is actually the band I've been most excited to bring which is Warriors You or Someone You Used to Know
1: Okay Um, these yeah, are, I'm not aware of this band uh,
2: They are a kind of Springsteen inspired punk band uh, Sure Of the, of the vein <laughs> of the Menzingers of the Gaslight Anthem Against Me um, Again uh, non-binary vocalist uh, that is very much a part of the band's identity in a lot of ways but this is just really big sound it like again this is just the sort of music I love anything that sounds vaguely Springsteen influenced there's a good chance I'm going to like it and this is that done to such a high standard Uh, the opening track on this album End of the World it has just this like lift to it with the chorus and it it's so good the vocalist Lauren they've got a really distinct voice as well their accent like that gives them a real like every song just has a chorus that takes off and it's just like yeah here we go and I I, I want to see this band live again um, like I again they're another band I've liked for a couple of years and this album was just a massive step up from them um, if you like the Menzingers if you like Against Me if you like the Wonder Years any of those kind of bands listen to Warriors it's spelt W-O-R-R-I-E-R-S so like worry.
1: Right, I was wondering why I couldn't not, find not it. What, what was what was the name of that album again? Uh, you or someone you used to know? Okay, right. Well, there it is. Um, top three. But you're
2: yeah. raring
3: to go to listen to that, aren't you, Perrin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Perrin, I like.
2: You'll hate it, and oh yeah, this I, is I, what you're gonna have to deal with, with me being on the show now. It, like,
1: oh, I, I have absolutely no no worries about that at all because <laughs> there are plenty of people who will. Yeah, I, I
2: enjoy think that. I, I. This is one of the reasons why I've been really excited to bring it because I think. Maybe a lot of the listeners have already heard it but um, if you haven't this is one I think really if you're into the kind of Ryan bands we'll say yeah. give, the, give
3: give Warriors a go. They're really cool.
1: Okay, Warriors there. Into the top three getting ever heftier. Uh, Alec, number yes, three.
3: Um, chunkier as the internet may say. Um, but I think um, th- this top three it's basically been they've all been my number one at one point. Um, and I think right. it it, it stems back to that thing i said at the beginning about everything just feels a lot more personal and i have i've just been growing attached to records a lot more this year um the number 3 is hellripper the affair of the poisons um i listened to this earlier today <laughs> which, uh, yeah I, I listened to this
1: about a couple of hours because i know you was, i was i wondered if this would be your number 1 because i know i've seen you be super super into it it's a lot
3: of fun it was it's my it was my number 1 Yesterday. Um, <laughs> but um, but um, so I, I loved the Midnight record, but this takes it one step further for me. Like, this is Overkill era, Motorhead, like, Black Metal era, Venom, Kill 'em All, Metallica. Kill, I was, Kill
1: 'em All era, Metallica uh, was when I was. Because I, I love this record as well, because again, me and you, we share the Black Thrash shit, of mm. course. Um, if you like Kill 'em All and you want something which has that youthful kind of energy with those kind of like like the early roots of thrash before slayer had turned it more brutal just mm. like fully speed metal abandon loads of fucking like whiplash style riffs yeah. on this
3: and the thing is uh that makes uh, like it sounds new Like, it makes it sound like I'm hearing it for the first... Like, it makes it sound like Kill Em All doesn't exist. Like, every time I put this on, I drive like a dickhead. Like, when (laughs) I'm... Like, I caught myself going, like... Like, I I need to be careful as well because I only got my licence recently and I just looked at the speedometer and it was like, shit! And then just went... Lord Orgy of the She-Devils! <laughs> and, just, and just kept driving. Like, it's just, it's so infectious. There's so many, just these razor-sharp riffs and these these along choruses. It's like Black and Thrash's Permission to Land. It's just these old <laughs> ideas packaged into something just so full of life and exuberant and just ready to fucking go. Like, everything, you're like, hexenact. Like, just chanting hex and that is is just so ah oh, and- that,
1: that like the the Lemmyism that opens Vampire's Grave. Right, it, it makes me laugh a lot. Yeah,
3: oh my god, it's so Lemmy, and like he knows what he's doing. He's he's made this just for me. I'm sure. Like, um, yeah, but- for
1: people unaware, Hellripper is what I think is a one man act. Yeah. from Glasgow. It's just this. <laughs> it's it's this Scottish dude who's about like 21 or something. Just writing the most snotty, charged up, fucking black and roll, and he's brilliant at it.
3: Yeah, like, and then it's just a thing. Like, even at the end, the last song, what's it called? Like the Hanging Tree, because you got like eight, like seven songs of this like black and thrash stuff. But then at the end, it's like, oh wait, well I can kind of write a uh, a fucking great, just like a straight up black metal song as well. Here you go, um, and just close it on that. Like I just, yeah, I. I the, uh, this might be the best black and thrash album i've ever heard like i <laughs> i i've listened to it every week for about 5 or 6 months or something um yeah it's it's fucking incredible
1: yeah hell then number 3 sam
2: uh my number 3 is spanish love songs brave faces everything.
1: wow i'm sure that would be number 1
2: it 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 was number 1 until my number one album came out
1: okay well but, um, anyway spanish love songs take us away
2: any like if there was an album to sum up the mood for 2020 it's opening an album with a line on any given day i'm a six of ten <laughs> like just that kind of just like uh like again i can't really add much to spanish love songs that ryan hasn't already said but i this band the brutal honesty to his songwriting the vulnerability the way he'll put himself out there and he's not ashamed of it um, his lyrics he comes up with like that are really bleak but catchy. The the, the like I said that it won't be this bleak forever. Yeah right. And then well, I hope you're right. Kick is such a downtrodden song that sounds fucking like a fucking rock anthem, but it's about addiction and horrible shit. It's it's the way they can make stuff that sound is so that is so emotionally draining. Sound so big i think it's just where the songwriting, rang um, and like talent comes in with spanish love songs everything on the, the fact this is like th- this is their third album this is e- like the one years comparisons are really easy to make and this is clearly their suburbia and the fact that if they're going to continue on that one years trajectory and go on to do a, a greatest generation album next i cannot wait for what spanish love songs do next um these songs sound amazing live i saw them twice in one day earlier this year i saw dylan do an acoustic set in a record store which was incredible where he just pretty much did all new songs really stripped back and him doing these songs in that stripped back fashion sounded incredible and then i saw them after several beers with mates at the forums point the menzingers and it was just so like again for the music that is so emotionally draining such a sort of uplifting moment but yeah, Spanish love songs are brilliant. This album is brilliant and they're going to go on to do something incredible. And just ending the album with, the, with the, just dropping the title of the album at the end with the brave faces of everyone. Again, such a way to sum up the feeling of this year. is just like it put on a brave face and just yeah, suck it up and like keep going.
1: It definitely set the stall for the tone that everyone should have. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Like I said, I'm I'm shocked that's not number one, but we'll, we'll see what comes next. Um, number two then. Alec, it give me your is, second best album of the year.
3: It is Sex, Death and the Infinite Void by Creeper. Um, I forget that this album is like 40 minutes long. Like, I always... Yeah, same, same. Yeah, I
2: was about to say, it flies by. <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm always like... I always think, oh, it's like Damnation in a Day by Cradle of Filth, right? Where it's like two days long or something. <laughs> um, but like the... um. Just the, the ground it covers I'm sure Ian
1: will be stoked with the cradle of comparison.
3: <laughs> but like, i am just I'm always shocked when it's when it's done um and it's just it's just such a gorgeous album like i I love the reinvented creeper like nobody is doing this they you know they they completed pop punk essentially leveled up they're now making spooky meatloaf Britpop. pop like Everything they turn their hand to on this record, they just completely own it. Like, Be My End, it's the best My Chemical Romance song since 2006. All My Friends, this, like... What What was that sharp intake of Breath for, Sam? Uh, I've, I, w- my MCR things, we'll do M- My Chemical Romance late, at a later point, <laughs> I'm sure. I, I've got a lot of things to say about that band. <laughs> okay. Um, but, like, All My Friends, like just this gorgeous heart-on-sleeve... Piano ballad like, Anna, like what the fuck is Annabelle? Like the first time I heard that, ah, like I thought I was going mad. Um, like <laughs> I just, I, I just, I just had to check. Like, what are they doing? Um, and then the thorns of love, you know, with the clipping Cupid's wings. Ah, That guitar solo is so like- good. <laughs> yeah, again, if,
1: to, to touch on the interlude thing, because that's it feels like the sticking point for people who don't like this album. Um, if you remove that one from that moment of that song, that solo does not have that. No. Much power. Yeah. Yeah. Like absolutely. It, it
3: works. Yeah, and, and just on the interludes as well, it's like. Cradle of Filth are one of my favourite bands, so I'm all for a good hammy. Um, <laughs> yeah, me it, and yeah, you are yeah, probably mood. slightly
1: better equipped to deal with it. Yeah,
3: but I, I think the thing is, I think people have made a bit of a big deal about how how shit they are because it's like if you don't think they're very good, they're like ten seconds. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Is you can skip them if you don't <laughs> yeah. listen to them. The only one you can't skip is the Fawns of Love Warm. But again, you need it. That makes that moment. Yeah. Um and I also I, I do think there's been a bit of a, a a big overreaction, um, on the kind of I guess the the change Creeper have made to, you know, new Creeper, you know, like they've had these elements in their sound since The Stranger, like apart from the Britpop thing, I guess that's that's new. But like they've been leading you up they've been leading you down the path, you know, you had down below and all the that. The bridge
2: to the um not not the honeymoon suite, uh uh, what's the one on mass. the stranger? Black mass. Yeah, for yeah. that is so like again.
3: Yeah, no, it's like it's it's been coming, and it's here, and it's fucking glorious. Um, yeah, their future is so exciting, um, and I'm also, I think it's been about three years to the day since I've last seen them because I last saw them at Shepherd's Bush on uh, the Theatre of Fear tour. So I'm just gagging for yeah. for Creeper to just. I don't know. I'll walk to. I don't know. <laughs> like, if I can't get a plane, just get them to me. Get me to them. I, I need. I, I need them. <laughs> They're brilliant.
1: Yeah. Okay. Creeper. Uh, Sam. Number two.
3: Right. Time
2: to make up for Ryan's sins from last week. <laughs> uh, my number two is to Share More uh, Lament. Of course, it is. There you go. Um, stage four is an album that I will probably talk about in depth on a later podcast at some point. I am sure, but that album is a hugely important album to me uh, that following up that album is a near impossible task in a lot of ways to me but Touche have gone and just done the best they damn could at following up an album that I think is so special um, this is a really good aftermath album to that album essentially whereas that album is dealing with the, imme- essentially the immediate effects of the grief of what happened to vocalist Jeremy Bolm and losing his mum to cancer and this album kind of looks at the long-term effects of that several years later um songs like i'll be your host which is him basically saying that he hates how people come up to him on tour and say your album did this to me it's done that and he's like he feels like he's having to bear their burden and he will mm-hmm. do it but it is hard for him you've got the opening track come heroin which is where the, the main hook to that from peaks of blue come heroin where he basically like where he fell in love after it and that helped that helped pull him out of the the dark place he was in again like spanish love songs this is just a really really vulnerable emotional album and i mean touche have always been a band he jeremy sounds like he could burst out crying at any moment he he's the sort of vocalist that perrin absolutely loves <laughs> <laughs> um
1: yes very much so but
2: this album it do, the other thing with um this album is it it takes touche to new places um i can't think what the third song now the but they they, they 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 post-punk is definitely something they've started to draw from there's a bass line which sounds just like it's ripped straight from the cure um
1: yeah I, as someone who i don't like to shame for some of the reasons established um those kind of <laughs> elements uh I, I didn't particularly vibe with this album either but like it those elements stood out to me and kind of like yeah. made me think, cool, because the like the thing with Touche on this album is again, as someone who is not really a fan, and I've kind of observed because I knew it was going to be a noteworthy album in regards to it was the follow up to one of the albums of the decade kind of on mass. Yeah. Like stage mm-hmm. four has that place for people. Um and it was interesting to see the apathy would be too strong a word, but I almost feel like for some people, stage four can com- like did what it needed to do to such an extent,
2: yeah, it, that like they, I say, they, they it kind was...
1: of completed like melodic, emotive, hardcore on that. And how Absolutely, do you go yeah. from there? And I, and I, yeah, you know, it doesn't have the kind of magnitude that stage four does, but I will completely kind of back you on in the sense that the kind of if it's not an upwards kind of leap, the sideward steps to taking I in different is... things are more striking,
2: gonna be a stepping stone onto where they go next. I think, mm. I think on the next up, like. Touche More, Their songs are, on average, about two minutes long. They, they they write short, snappy, emotional, hardcore songs. Whereas this album, one of the first things they released from it was Limelight, which is over five minutes long. Which I was like, oh my god, a Touche More going prog. And that I think is where I think that's where their future lies in that sort of territory, where they're going to start to expand on things and draw out things. I mean, that song is, I think, this, again, the highlight of the album for me it's a it builds to the to this incredible guest spot from I can't remember the vocalist name because I don't like Manchester orchestra much, but when he comes in and you've got him and jeremy's vocals overlapping and it just it's this really amazing crescendo um and then yeah the I think it's just such a really stand up moment on an album that I think is absolutely incredible it like i say it having to follow stage four was always gonna be a weight on this album that it's gonna struggle with because when a band releases such a defining album, the next one after that is always, I think, often always looked upon. I mean, there's more eyes on Touche, I guess. People are going to be judging it harsher. But considering I love this kind of emotional hardcore, this is just Touche more still being the best at it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and shout out Ross Robinson as well. Mm. Oh, yeah, production job is incredible. Like a few years of uh, controversial <laughs> album kind of production job. It's a nice side. way to put it. <laughs> Yes um, I'm with
2: you on those albums Perrin you know that <laughs> Yeah
1: I, I know you are But plenty of people are But yeah again Good to see him Doing something that Can be agreed upon um, Yes Right Business time Album of the year uh, Alec so Number you, one
3: You just made me think Of Flight of the Concords. That's the first that's <laughs> the, the first time I've thought about them In about ten years um, No So my, my My number one Um it was my number two for ages. Um, uh, you've probably guessed what it is, Perrin, because it's a glaring omission in my list. Um, but yeah, it was it was number two a few days ago. Uh, and then I put it on, and in the first song, you get to the chorus, and it's just a Take one small comfort that may be less. Yes. Okay, I and was wondering.
1: I, I didn't know what it was, but I, yes. It's,
3: <laughs> in Darkenment. By Anal Nathrak... like this is what I have always wanted Anal Nathrak to sound like. So I, it's just an album of forging towards the sunset, pretty much. Like yeah. that was the first Anal Nathrak... song I heard uh, when it came out, which was what like twenty twelve. Twelve, yeah. yeah, and that set the bar for me. Um. And everything. I went back. I, you know, I, I followed them after that, and nothing quite scratched the itch. And I think Anala Threat on the
1: on the purely chorus front. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know like choruses fo- on every fucking record, apart from yeah. code, its Necro, because it's purposefully not chorus based. Um, <laughs> but like, in terms of it's the best one. Uh, in terms of the universal <laughs> appeal um yeah like this it was like holy fuck yeah that like, that could that felt like the one to throw at people constantly and then forward came along and had the kind of like groove uh like floor filler kind of angle to it and now suddenly you have an album of what is that like accessible but no less terrifying yeah
3: yeah and like with uh Nathrak, like i i don't think there's any one of their albums. That I go and listen to like, regularly, or if I do, I listen to it. And there are peaks and troughs for me, and I think they've got some like great standout songs. But this, for me, is the first Ananathrac album that I just I have to play on repeat, and I just can't stop listening to it. Um, And I think, yeah, kind of describing the sound of it, you you can almost fall into a hole of tautology a little bit because you just go, (laughs) oh, oh, it's so fucking brutal, it's so heavy, it's so disgusting, it's so visceral. Um, But they've just kind of become the kind of the blackened, brummy, strapping young lad. Like it's this hyper-aggressive, industrial-tinged, blackened death metal with these insane, wailing, kind of like priest maiden on occasion king diamond um kind of clean vocals and i just i can't get over how triumphant yet just fucking bleak this album is like it's the end of the world but the pig's got cocks in its eyes and it's, it's never sounded so good like um in my notes as well like when i was listening to it i was like i i literally put sam libidinous best metal metal core riff ever and they're not even trying um, It's so good like oh
2: every, oh. every empirical metalcore band wishes they could write that riff
3: <laughs> yeah right and like requiem that just heartbreaking melody on the on the guitar and the kind of keys little bit yeah, in mm. the background as well and like isn't dave hunt doesn't he work at a uni or something like
1: something like, that. He, yeah. like he i think he, he was doing like a master's degree for years so yeah he's a very he's a scholarly dude which i think very much shows in everything about kind of the the tenets of kind of what is going on in that right
2: they're quite a wise sort of band in a way yeah like. you get hilariously
1: them, then... so because it's wrapped up in barbed wire comedy but <laughs> yeah yes,
2: yeah
3: part look,
1: of what made it my album of the year
3: yeah and no, it's just like the like the idea of uh, uni students finding out, oh yeah, this guy he's he's in a band. Yeah, he, he's pretty well, you know, he's pretty knowledgeable. Let's go check it out. And it's just a pig with cocks in its eyes. <laughs> like it's just so bizarre. But like, Mick Kelly makes his band sound so fucking huge. And now with with this collection of songs, like this has to be heard by more people. And I I know that. Um, you know, more people have been getting on the Nathrak train. Oh, the Nathrak train! What a fucking horrible image. But, um, <laughs> but like,
1: um, it's better than the Anal train. Yeah,
3: <laughs> but <laughs> but um, but it, it just has to be. It it needs to be heard by more. Like, get them on tour with Slipknot. Get them on tour with System of a Down. You know, fucking the
1: thing with the thing with that though is I, like I like I agree on a purely but. Having seen Nathret Live many times, I've rarely seen, like, venue equipment that can handle how heavy they are. Like, every single time I've ever seen them, they've broken a speaker just for being too fucked up. And that, I love that that will always live with them forever as well, no matter how, like, insanely huge these songs become.
3: No, I mean, you know, fuck it, you know, get get them on tour with Five Finger Death Punch, why not? Um, (laughs) But, like, this is the best... Nathrack have ever sounded to my ears. I think, yeah, I think it's the best album. It's my favourite album of the year. Um, I also think, uh, I, I don't know if I'm maybe kind of, maybe overestimating how access quote unquote accessible it is because you know like we had lamb of god on in the car the other day and i said to my fiance i was like i really like it because you know his vocals you can really you can hear what he's saying and she's like what are you talking about just because she uh, she doesn't listen to metal um but like um this to me is like the the extreme metal entry point the best extreme metal entry point since like the satanist I think just because it is brutal it's horrible but those choruses I I I can't understand how if you like metal and you can you can kind of deal with it sounding a bit horrible because it doesn't sound like shit it sounds incredible but like it's heavy like I just can't understand how you how you couldn't gravitate towards this if you wanted something more if you wanted something filthier if you wanted something more full on this is it
1: Awesome, yeah. I mean, it's Hollywood fucking extremity. The thing with me and Nathrak is, this is my album of the year, I'm not even sure if it's top five Nathrak albums for me. Like, they are a special, special band. And, yeah, album of the year from two of the TNM team, and now Nathrak and Darkament, which just feels good to say. Um, on that note, Sam, album of the year. I- I'm sure I know what it is. Most people do, if it's yeah. not Spanish love songs. But, give me a number one.
2: There's code orange underneath, isn't it.
1: Yeah. It's just...
2: I mean right Code Orange I've loved Code Orange for a good few years for like since I'm King I like the more mm. I heard I'm King I was like this band are special this is, they're gonna just be the band and seeing them grow over each album and to the point where they can just release an album like underneath which is an album that does it all terrifyingly heavy at times massive choruses the biggest mosh parts like I'm more like, that. The thing that sticks is the first time I listened to it when it came out it was midnight. I was just laying in a room, I had my headphones on because I, like, I wanted to listen to it properly, and the album fucking opens with a jump scare essentially, <laughs> it and it made me what the f-? And, like uh, before going into um, swallowing the rabbit hole. But then when you get to swallowing the rabbit hole and just opening with that feathers off the HOOD! yeah, just, and then just going into that and the glitchy part in that. And then just the coolest line of the staring into your new god's soul, like it, there's so many moments like that. And then you've and then that um goes straight into In Fear, which again, the end part of In Fear is fucking scary. Like when you hear it for the first time, and you just the riff get this is woman. Scary. Yeah, like, like it sounds uh, like it's
1: being played on some kind of like nightmare violin. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> like, like, somehow.
2: <laughs> Code Orange, they play their instruments like they're trying to break them they like they 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 want to just destroy everything in their path but this album it's not just about that weird glitchy heaviness you've got a song like "Sulfur surrounding which is a, like a love letter to typo negative and alice in chains but then you get that industrial beat in the middle um reba sounds better than she ever has i think the mm. the increased presence of her on every code orange record mm. is like one of the things that just makes this band special the fact again that it then goes into the easy way, which is the biggest banger Code Orange have ever written, and it's just repurposing a hook that
1: they've used. Yeah, that's the thing that hasn't been times. noticed about that, I think, is that the hook in the easy way is from Only One Way, which they released well, well, they in did, 2018.
2: The, the only one way they did the hard way, and then now it's the easy way. Yeah,
1: but the taking of that hook, which, like, we heard, like, they were playing that on tour with Trivium. Yeah, like in 2018, and then somehow it, it, the way they can take an element like that and shine it up a different way and make it sound like a completely new song you've never fucking heard before yeah. is but just like one tiny little thing that's testament to the talent of that band.
2: There's so much of it. The whole little like nowhere to run voice sample that they used that was used on the um, free knives. Like they, they, there's so much continuity to this band where all the samples and glitches don't just appear once. They they are used throughout. And I mean. I am ki- not. I'm King. Forever was such a game changer of a record, and again, it's one like on the like again like with Touche, It was kind of like, oh, how are they going to top that? I didn't have that worry with Code Orange because like, there's no worry. Code Orange are going to just reinvent the book again. They 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 they're nothing. They they are not bound by any kind of limitations. They'll do whatever the fuck they want. Jamie is the most ambitious, driven person. Like the the title track, which like again like going completely different route for how they closed the album this time, not trying to recapture that insane ending to forever where it just cuts off instead, just closing the album with the, the the lead single this time, which again, one of the biggest choruses code orange have ever written. They just, there's so much to it. And obviously the other thing that has made this album is the way code orange have promoted it. Mm. Like, this album came out right as lockdown happened they were the first band to go okay fine we'll do a live we'll, our album release show we had planned with a massive lineup with every time I die supporting us we're gonna just play that venue empty and live stream it and I've been watching them thinking like how are they gonna play these songs live how are they gonna do the glitches and they just go that's how we do it and it's so incredible to see this band who have gone from this four piece I saw playing in the Fighting Cox in Kingston um, to like with every album it's like let's add a new member in now so at some point they're (laughs) gonna be at some point they're gonna have more members than slipknot i'm convinced like the way they're going um but it's how they utilize these members as well it everything feels like it has a place in the band it's not just an element that's tacked on for the sake of it and again there is you can you can pick out their influences you can be like well there's there's nine inch nows and there's typo negative and there's slipknot and converge but again it's it's the way they gel it all together in a in a to make it sound like something that's so fresh and exciting but it still holds a lot of reverence to what came before it there's so much love for heavy music in this band but there's a drive and a will to push heavy music to new territories that i think that's what makes code orange such a special band to me and yeah i cannot wait to actually see them do this live now
1: yeah, same. I mean, we've said it a number of times, kind of when discussing. Underneath this year, um, you know, various people feel different ways about kind of how well they might have pulled the trick off of the layers of this album and the mixing of it all together and how cohesive or how jarring it may be. Um, I, I, it was my number two album of the year. I think it's fucking brilliant, but what I think can very much be said is this still isn't final form. Yeah, like this, it- like they can do better. Like I, I love Underneath, and I know that they i can yeah. do these things better and that is what a fucking exciting proposition so yeah i know,
2: I know as well this is now that a lot of people said they have to be in the mood for I, I kind of this is i get that but i'm also like i do not feel that i'm just <laughs> i'm just like i'm in straight so at the moment i just hear that intro to swallowing the rabbit hole and the moment jamie comes in with that Finners of the herd i'm just i'm i'm in i'm in the world that code been. and that's the other thing they've created a world like yeah. they were doing this thing about how like they have this like interactive game almost like thing to it and i think that's so cool that it's more than just the music it's it's a whole experience of code orange and it's something i've bought into completely and that's why it's my album of the year
1: all right and now in darkenment and code orange underneath from sam and alec um to finish this off then we've got the top 10 from the listener poll so uh going into that we have number 10 it is here nice to see it bleed from within fracture uh, number nine enter shikari nothing is true and everything is possible number eight also lovely to see Svalbard. when i die will i get better seven run the jewels rtj4 sixth loathe i let it in and it took everything number five spanish love songs brave faces everyone there is a jump of 20 votes here <laughs> between the five and number four with the top four being very close number four deftones Oms. Number three, Trivium, What the Dead Men Say. Number two, Creeper, Sex Death and the Infinite Void. And the number one album of the year from you guys is also Code Orange Underneath, which I think especially those... That top two, I think, illustrates that amongst you guys, fearlessness reaps rewards because those are Mm. ambitious fucking records that when we first heard them, we were wondering how many people might go with them on this, how many people will be in for the ride that these bands have taken them on will the world buy into it and I don't know whether that last point I mean other than fucking Creeper getting a top 5 record and and Code Orange's kind of success of their campaign point is it's connecting with people so yeah fucking brilliant Um, that was the album of the year shows two of them in a row for you go and check out as many of those records that you don't know that kind of strike your fancy as you feel the need to Um, yeah thank you for, for joining us for this Next week, we will be back, the three of us, with the That's Not Metal Awards when we do the greatest, the shittiest, the most noteworthy, you know what it is. Um, yeah, see you guys then.
0: Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.